Desert and the Great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening or good morning, as the case may be across all these many time zones from the Tahitian and Hawaiian Island chains in the west, eastward to the Caribbean, south into South America, and north to the pole. This is Coast to Coast AM. Good morning. This will be a paradigm-shattering program this morning. Robert Goldwolf has just returned from a month in the U.S. Colorado Rockies. Or maybe I better correct that and just say the Rockies. All right? Uh, what he has found uh, is going to cause a lot of people to rethink a lot of things as if we weren't already regarding our origins. It's that big. Now I'll tell you this. Uh, for those of you who have computers, you can begin heading up to my website right now, and if you will scroll down to uh, Robert Ghost Wolf's name, uh, you will see the uh, uh, you'll see a link. Click on that, and you will get a set of photographs. And I am not now going to tell you what it is. We'll do sort of the uh, the double blind reverse test. You go take a look at what it is, and if this doesn't blow your mind, if this doesn't cause you to begin thinking about our origins and whether we really know the whole truth or not, then you're just not thinking. So it'll be kind of interesting in this first hour, I'm telling you, if you have a computer, if you have access to a computer, if you can borrow, beg, don't steal a computer, uh, whatever you can do, get to one, go to my website, and just take a look at what Robert Ghostwolf has found. Is that dramatic enough for you? Well, it deserves that much drama. It really does. It's, as a matter of fact, it has been blowing my mind all day long. So, in the next hour, Robert Ghostwolf, back from a quest and a successful quest, and tonight's guest. So, all of that... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, directly ahead, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I guess I had to give my website, huh? For those of you who might not have it, www.artbell.com. www.artbell, that's A-R-T-B-E-L-L, all lowercase, dot com. Scroll down to Robert Ghostwolf's name and take a look. When I first saw it, I went, oh my God. And I phoned Richard Hoagland. And I, I led Richard to a, at that point, secret page, and I had him look at this, and he went, oh, my God. <laughs> then I tried a couple others. I tried my boss at the network. Same reaction. Oh, my God. Then I, uh, I called Bob Crane uh, down at the C. Crane Company, and I had him look, and he went, oh, my God. Uh, so it's an oh, my God kind of reaction all the way around. I'm telling you. Take a look. You're looking at our own Colorado, or our own Rockies. When you think about the future, do you see the economy getting better or worse? With a small investment of your time, it really doesn't matter, frankly, because you can control your own destiny. Maybe with a half hour's work a day. I'm talking about commodities, which have earned a kind of a dirty rep by, you know, from the media. 
But look, commodity, commodities are really nothing more than things that people need. Gold, copper, orange juice, heating oil, beans, cattle. Things people need that are traded. And Ken Roberts can teach you to do what he has done. He is now a multimillionaire. And while this is not billed as a get-rich-quick scheme, it is not really. It's a step-by-step -step process in which you learn to invest on paper. As you learn from Ken, you learn to invest on paper. And only when you are ready to use real money do you begin using it. It works. Call them. 1-800-GOLD-KRC. You receive, free of charge, no obligation, a complete report and audio tape that lays the whole thing out. So call them. How can you not? 1-800-465-3572. Now, absolutely fresh flowers. A flower farm in Southern California. They do one thing and they do it exceptionally well and you are the beneficiary or whoever you send the flowers to. There is no better deal on flowers in America. This is it. Now, the reason you're getting the deal, I'll just tell you straight out. It's a flower farm. They're selling them to you at the wholesale rate. Several years ago, the wholesale market began to tighten up. Dexter Yard, who owns the flower farm, decided why not sell straight to the American people and just give them a really good deal. What a good idea it was. It works, folks. Call them. Uh, delivery, by the way, is next day. You call today and boom, they get the flowers there tomorrow. The number is 1-800-562-6438. You can call that 24 hours a day, including right now, 1-800-562-6438. I'm here to tell you an amazing story. Late last year, an unbelievable discovery was made of U.S. $20 gold pieces. They were found in a Wells Fargo bank here in Nevada. Not only was the size of the find incredible, but the quality of the coins equally unbelievable. Those are how you can start one if you want to find an Art Bell Chat Club is just that. It is a place where people discuss the kinds of things that we talk about here on the air, frequently having uh, guests lecture and that sort of thing. They are not, I repeat, they are not fan clubs. Here with an update on the chat clubs uh, from Denver is Tim Cannon. Tim, welcome. Canadian provinces with 50,000 watts of Twin Cities Radio. You're listening to AM 1500 KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis.
Kingdom of Nye, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. From east of the Rockies, call Art at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, in Colorado, and New Mexico, at 1-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may fax Art at area code 702-727-8499. Please limit your faxes to one or two pages. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now again, here's Art. Good morning. All right. I'm going to say this again. Get up to my website. Scroll down to the name Robert Ghostwolf and get ready for the shock of uh, of your lifetime. We have uh, been talking a lot lately with all kinds of guests from astronomers... Uh, to uh, investigators, to religious people, to you name it, about our origins, about where we came from, who we are. Robert Ghostwolf, in a one-month quest in the Rockies, has come up with a big, big piece of the puzzle. And so I suggest you get up there and take a look-see. It's uh, at my website, www.artbell.com. Are you... Now, one more item... And then we are a little more than caught up, which is what I want to be because of the drama of what is coming this next hour. I'm telling you. (laughs) All right. It's time. Now, I can do this two ways. I do it with my mic open or I can close my mic. Now I have closed my mic and all you're going to hear is my voice altered. Now I'm going to run it up for you a little bit. Listen to this. Hello, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Now, do I sound like Art Bell? I don't think so. <laughs> All right. There is a demonstration of a <laughs> of a voice changer. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Uh, I have had so much fun with that thing, and so can you. It's um, a 16-bit piece of digital technology that weighs only 7 ounces, operates on batteries, uh, 3 AA batteries, and you can have a blast with this thing, or you can use it for practical and hopefully moral reasons. But I can tell you this. They will not recognize your voice. You see, I... I can enhance the effect a little bit by closing my microphone all the way so that you don't get a mixture. <laughs> that, that's it. $69.95. <laughs> Call Bob Crane in the morning. Get one on the way. It's 1-800-522-8863. 1-800-522-8863. The Sea Crane Company. The announcement I am going to leave to Robert Ghostwolf uh, and he certainly deserves to make the announcement of what he has found in the Rockies. But it's going to shake you. Now, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that you just go up there now and take a look. If any of you prior to his announcement would like to uh, react to what you see, um, I'd appreciate a fax at area code 702-727-8499. If you're sitting there frustrated because you do not have a computer, don't worry. Uh, It will be described to you in detail, and we will, of course, continue to have this page and these photographs, the photographic proof, uh, sitting there for you uh, throughout the weekend. So if you don't make it through right away, just uh, 
Hang in there, and if you don't have a computer, don't worry. We're going to tell you what's there. Well, a big breaking story about a respiratory, uh, respiratory care employee at uh, Glendale Adventist Medical Center who is confessing to killing between 40 and 50 patients that he believed were so ill they were close to death. Now, he has not yet, as far as I know, been arrested. They are looking into this very carefully. I wonder why he suddenly admitted it. Guilt, think? He confessed. Do you think uh, that it was guilt? He said he had a criteria for killing them. They had to be unconscious, have a do not resuscitate order, and look like they were ready to die. Look like they were ready to die, really. That's quite a judgment for one person to make. In Jonesboro, the um, horrid tragedy goes on. The feds say they will not prosecute, prosecute these uh, the children, 11 and 13. These children who, with forethought and malice, are accused of luring students and uh, teachers into an area where they could be picked off at will with rifles. It is a part of the quickening. I saw kind of interesting interview earlier tonight on CNN. They interviewed uh, several primary school teachers of varying degrees of experience. And they all agreed on one thing. Today's children are very, very different than those of 20 years ago. Their attitudes, their rebelliousness, their um, absolute... Uh, a disinterest in authority figures, and it went on and on and on and on. Yes, there is a change in our children, but is that really a surprise to you, those of you who have been listening to this program for any sort of period of time at all? Is it really a surprise? I think not. But I don't pretend to understand it either. One other item, earlier tonight, Mount Etna blew her top. Actually, it was earlier in the afternoon, and one of you alert people out there who have been watching the Etna Live page called me, uh, actually faxed me and said, Good Lord, look at Etna. And I did, and so did Keith, and sure enough, boy, she was blowing. And I think we've got those photographs on the website as well, the poor burdened website. Somebody sent me a fax and said, also, Mount Shasta appears to be awakening as of 11 a.m. Pacific, several three-point magnitude, and many two-point magnitude uh, shakes have been occurring in the area of Mount Shasta. Now, we've had, we've had earthquakes, a big one in Italy. Did you see that? A very large one in the Antarctic, 7.9 in the Antarctic. And now we're beginning to get activity, volcanic activity, hither and yon. That, too, might be adding up to something. Or you could say, well, these are very diverse places, Art. No big deal. 
they, you know, these mountains are active. They erupt every now and then. They do indeed. But I think there is a relationship between the earthquakes, the volcanic activity. Don't you? No? Well, seems to me there could be. Maybe. Probably is. But that's just me. One more item, and then we'll uh, take some calls. Art, listening to your show last night, you discussed what NASA released with respect to El Nino. Like, might like to see this, came from a client. El Nino, the phenomenon disrupting the weather in the Pacific and the Americas, getting ready to rain here again, by the way, has made the days longer than usual. The U.S. Space Agency said Wednesday that February 5th was the longest day of all, about six-tenths of a millisecond above normal. The Earth is actually slowing down because of El Nino. However, NASA believes that as El Nino lessens, if it does, the Earth will once again speed up. And I know a lot of people have explained this to me, but I still don't properly understand how bad weather slows the rotation of the Earth. Uh, but apparently, it does. All right, to the phones we go. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello there, Art. It's Vince in Chicago. Hi, Vince. Oh, the uh, San Diego Chat Club, they've got quite a treat with Richard Hoagland and David John Oates for the bargain price in 1950. <laughs> 1945, that's right. It's going to be a deal even at $33, actually. <laughs> Those guys are great. Uh, you know, the show last night, I really did well, I meant uh, I meant to point that out, and uh, I still feel the same way. And and here it is, I understand that those who have achieved a pretty good degree of understanding of the nature of reverse speech can uh, grasp and understand the uh, the me metaphoric reversals. Yeah, I don't think we c we can dismiss those because uh, I, oh, I don't, I don't. No. I simply think it is difficult for the vast majority of the audience to grasp them early on. It, it allows a, you know, a lot of openness to interpretation, but I think there's a, definitely a, a story being told with the metaphors, just like in the oh, Bible. Yes. Oh, the Bible well, is very metaphoric. There's absolutely no question about it, Vince. Um, no question about it. But here's the thing. When you, uh, when you consider the, uh, the world of reverse speech... And it is a world that is just beginning to have the light dawn upon it. When you consider that world, and it's a very wide world, dominated actually by uh, metaphoric reversals, uh, you've also got to consider how best to get the American people to understand it. And as you pointed out, Vince, uh, metaphors are interpretive. And it gives the critics of reverse speech a much more of an opportunity to criticize. I mean, the more controversial something is, obviously, the harder uh, you can go after it. And uh, it makes it very easy for him to say, what BS, come on. Uh, not only is it uh, difficult to hear in reverse, but now you're ascribing a meaning to it that uh, is coming from your own mind. So, that's my attitude about uh, metaphors. I, too, believe that they're absolutely accurate and that it is a, a completely valid uh, line of um, research. 
I just think, though, that uh, for the beginning stages of those hearing reverse speech, it's m almost indigestible. And um, as you learn more and more and you calibrate your ear, we talked about that a little bit last night, then you can move into the metaphors. And you've got to remember that David John Oates himself um, said that he took years and years and years before he began to understand the, the reverse metaphors. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Richard in Sarasota. Yes, sir. I wanted to comment on the reverse speech show last night. Yes, sir. I'm a psychologist. I work a lot with unconscious kinds of things. And what I noticed was that it seemed to me that when they told you what you were supposed to hear, you heard it. Well, that is absolutely true to some degree. Now, the caller who I had on with David, I think it was in the first hour, um, absolutely proved that. I mean, he came up with a, 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 another meaning for exactly the same reversal, and I agreed, if you'll recall, that to me it could be the one. Yeah, and I heard it too. When, uh, when David John Oates said it was heal, feel the heat, I heard that. When the other guy said heal the, the feet, I heard that too. So did I. So there's a lot of interpretation that goes on from our subconscious mind. I quite agree. You know, and this is a very interesting thing, and I'm looking forward to see how it pans out. But I don't think it's quite as exact as it's being presented. Well, I don't know. That's a little... And that's kind of a tough judgment for us to make, because David has been doing this for many, many years. And well, in, my, in my experience with patients, I mean, I deal with unconscious stuff all the time, and the meanings are very specific to the person. And and the symbols and metaphors and things that they come up with are really specific to them rather than more universal, and it's hard to know what it exactly means. That's all I'm really saying here. No, I hear you. Uh, I guess that is the business you're in. And yeah. in, in a way, um, to do the interpretations, it's also the business David is in. Right, uh, right. I accept, I accept that. But when I was listening last night, I said, well, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. That's all. Right. Uh, thank you very much. It is by no means debunked because somebody comes on the air and says, well, it, it sounds to me like this. And uh, the fact that I agree with that, I think they, even David would tell you that uh, this is a developing science. And I am absolutely convinced. Actually, I passed that threshold a long time ago that reverse speech is real. Now, there are controversial aspects of it, and uh, that is so with any new science, and I believe it is a new science. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, I'm calling from Florida, WOKV 690. Yes, ma'am. And what I heard last night was, feel the beat, feel the beat. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had. <laughs> that was it? That was it. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi. Oh, hi. Uh, Art. Uh, this is Wayne. Uh, no, uh, calling from Honolulu. Um, I was wondering, uh, next time you have Richard Hoagland on, can you ask him that uh, if he thinks that the submarine experiments uh, in the Pacific Ocean had anything to do with uh, hyperdimensional Earth physics? Since uh, the big island is at 19.5 uh, degrees he is going to be on later tonight. 
Yeah. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. Oh, could you ask him that? Uh, if those uh, uh, Navy submarine experiments uh, could uh, fall in line with hyperdimensional Earth physics? Because there was an earthquake, you know, in Antarctica just a few days after that. You know, and you know what? That was a big earthquake. Yeah. It and you know, it was, was, was yeah, 7.9 is what I got. Oh. And what I heard is almost nothing. I mean, did you hear about it on the evening news? Yeah, nobody. No, it was just a brief uh, mention. Yeah. Uh huh. And then they said it went up uh, from an the Antarctic, and then other reports were from New Zealand. But then uh, I got this Earth Grid uh, book, and then it has a map, and then it shows uh, like Hawaii lining up with. Uh, uh, well, it, uh, all right. Listen to me. Here's what we're gonna do uh, tonight. Richard is going to only be making a brief appearance reacting to what Robert Ghostwolf has found. But next week we will do an entire show on Tuesday with Richard. So um, it might be more appropriate to hold, uh, hold it for then. But um, uh, we, believe me, we'll get to it. Oh, great. All okay. right. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, take care. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Oh, Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. Turn your radio off, please. That's number one. Good. Where are you? Hello? Going once, going twice. Gone. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, Mr. Bell, uh, on your blonde jokes, uh, I've had one. It, 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 this is not a joke. It really happened. It was about uh, three weeks ago. No, you can't do it. Okay. It will start the war again. Okay, well, this one was a true story. <laughs> I mean, nevertheless, it, it, the moment you said blonde jokes, you made me... The, all the alarm bells went off, even if it's a true... And for all I know, a lot of blonde jokes are true stories, right? Well, <laughs> but but you will start the war, and I can't let you do that. Well, well I, I kind of like the war going. I kind of enjoyed the jokes. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but you, you have no idea what it did in my life. <laughs> well, all I can say is better you than me, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fine. So you can call up anonymously, lay down your little blonde joke, start an entire war all over again, and leave. <laughs> No, no, I enjoy listening to it. I don't miss it. <laughs> no, sir. Don't well, do it. You have a good evening. You too. Take yeah. care. No, no, the war's over. For now. Unless I receive any more serious blows from the other side. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, it's Audrey in Tulsa. Hello, Audrey. couple of things. Um, first of all, we've... Uh, announced on the news tonight, got our first case of flesh-eating bacteria. Oh, boy. You're, you're going to have to speak up. You're so weak. Um, talk right into the phone, hon. Okay. Um, flesh-eating disease? Bacteria. Yeah. Here in Tulsa, they say it's the same strain that hit Texas. The, it was a little boy with chicken pox. He got it from an open wound from one of his sores that he'd scratched open. Uh, nevertheless, if you talk to the CDC people, Linda interviewed them, they said, well, yes, you know, there does seem an unusual number of cases, but this is nothing more than the normal. I don't believe that. I don't either. <laughs> and the only thing they told us to do about it was that there's a chicken pox vaccine available. Right. Real helpful. Real helpful. I, I appreciate the news. I'm up against the top of the hour. Get to my website, www.artbell.com. Scroll down to the name... Robert Ghostwolf and prepare to be shocked. Moody River, more deadly than the vainest night. Moody River, your naughty water took my baby's life. Last Saturday 
yourself, folks. It stands beside the river where you were to meet. The news coming up is really shocking. On the ground, your glove I found with a note addressed to me. It read, dear love, I've done you wrong now. I must set you free. The Talk Station, AM 1500 KSTP. Hundred KSTP. Talk with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye. From east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may call Art on the wild card line at area code 702-727-1295. To reach Art from outside the U.S. first, dial your access number to the USA, then 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye with Art Bell. Prepare to have your mind blown. You're hearing music, <laughs> a coincidentally titled... Ghost Dance. My guest is Robert Ghostwolf, a Native American of mixed blood. He'll tell you about himself in a moment. He has made a discovery in the Rocky Mountains of our own America, here in North America, that is so startling, so paradigm shattering, that uh, you have got to get up and take a look at it. Now, my website uh, is a good website. It's capable of handling a great deal of bandwidth. However, because we're uh, making this announcement, because we've got photographs of all of this on the website, it is getting bogged down. Uh, even with all the bandwidth we have, it is getting bogged down. So I have turned off the webcam, the live webcam. Please do not go to the webcam. We want people to be able to go and see these amazing photographs that Ghost Wolf got. So I would urge you to go to my website, scroll down to the name Robert Ghost Wolf, and go take a look at the photographs in question, which are about to be described by Robert Ghost Wolf. It's at www.artbell.com. One more time. www.artbell.com. So all of that and Robert Ghostwolf uh, coming up in just a moment. Ab, tell him you want the ignition system Art Bell has on his Hot Rod Metro. It's like a heart transplant for your car. That's 1-800-627-8800. And check out their webpage at www.jacobselectronics.com. All right, as background in a way for what we're about to do, I suppose, uh, today's news... He is a background in a, in a sort of a strange kind of way. Uh, there is a hospital aide in Los Angeles 
at uh, Glendale Ad Adventist uh, Medical Center uh, who is confessing to killing between 40 and 50 patients that he thought were ready to go. In Jonesboro, the tragedy continues as hundreds turned out to say goodbye for the last time to two of five people killed in that school's ambush by an 11 and 13 year old. A Mount Etna earlier today uh, blew its top. Boy, what an eruption. And we captured the photographs for you. Those are on the website as well. And um, there are other interesting geophysical things going on right now. Uh, the ground is uh, all things. And we're beginning to get a few rumblings uh, uh, here uh, near some of our mountains. At any rate, let us begin this incredible night of revelation by, allow first of all, saying hello to Robert Ghostwolf. Uh, hello, Robert. Hello, Art. How you doing? Um, I'm still floored. You're hanging in? Yeah, I'm hanging in, okay. sort of. Um, but I'm floored by what you have found. Now, it was about... You tell me, Robert, how long ago did you... You sent me an email and you said you were going into the Rockies for a specific uh, purpose, looking for something, and that if you didn't get back, papers would reach me and that sort of thing. And I read that to the audience. That Was that a month ago or more? Just about, I guess, five uh, weeks ago. Yeah, five weeks. And I read that, that to the audience, and they said... Uh, I've been asking ever since, when, 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 when is Ghost Wolf coming on? And... They want to know, of course, what you have found, why you went, why you thought it was there, everything. Well, it's, it started out with my trying to explain to some of the elders uh, that I work with that in order for people to understand the impact of what they had to say and the messages that they had to deliver, that they had to see hard facts. They had to see that we're basically dealing with a Missouri attitude. Show me and I'll believe you. Right. Um, a lot of what we deal with in, in prophecy, a lot of what we deal with in, in telling ancient mysteries and, and, and disclosing the knowledges from various cultures, we deal with the mind and we deal with potentialities and we're dealing with concepts. And there's, that leaves room for a lot of people to say, well, that could be, or that couldn't be, or this is, or that isn't, or, well, that may work for you, but it may not be for this, or the earth really isn't slowing down because of El Nino. It's just uh, the way it appears at the moment. Hmm. And um, what I wanted to do, because my main purpose in life is to build bridges so we can understand the old knowledge and compare it to the new knowledge. So we can take 10,000-year-old prophecies and show the similarities of the prophecies between cultures, and then we can take them right now, today, home, so that people can see beyond a question of a doubt that these things are happening. A lot of things that tend to happen in our own reality, we don't see whether we want to shut ourselves off to them or we just don't want to ignore them. Or it's Well, a good example of that, Robert, would I had uh, Daniel Brinkley on the other night, and he gave us news of a new discovery in Egypt which uh, is dating way past 10,000 years. Uh, they've discovered the ruins in Egypt, and this absolutely destroys everything Egyptians thought about themselves and, frankly, even throws into question whether the Egyptians built the Sphinx and the pyramids at all. Correct. Um, I don't believe they did. I believe that the Egyptians came later 
They came after these things were built. And as I've talked about on your show many times, I've seen a lot of different sites. I've seen pyramids. I've seen sphinxes. I talked about sphinxes that I saw in the St. Louis area, sphinxes that I saw in Florida. And the elders, when I was talking to them, they, they said to me, well, would you like to see something that would prove that they're there? I said, yeah. And they said, well, if you promise not to disclose the sites, we'll let you take pictures. Oh. And that's basically what I brought home. Um, All right, so then you were led to this site by by elders, Hopi elders, uh, other tribes? No, I was led here by uh, a Mate. Uh, who knew about these places. The this, this stories have come down uh, from the Ute Indians about this place and about our connection to the Star Nations because I think that's a really important thing to get across to people, that it is not a fantasy, it's not a conjecture, it's, it's, it's an actuality. Um, and when I, I said, okay, but there better be something there, and they sent me some photographs, which I think I showed you a couple of at that time, and it was enough to substantiate to me that there was something there. Uh, Is this, a, a, obviously, it must be a very difficult to get to area because otherwise we'd all know about it uh, with what you've got in those photographs. Uh, my, my God, uh, we would have all known. So it's got to be in a very out-of-the-way place. Wherever. It's in an out-of-the-way place. It is an out-of-the-way place. And uh, some of the problems that I ran into when I was there was strictly the weather because it was still snowing. And I was trying to transverse through 16 inches of snow through the Rockies. And every day we had to climb up with my party um, of, of, of people, which in, included some representatives from the Blackfoot Nation up in Canada that came down to see these things uh, because they had stories about them. There was supposed to be a Lakota elder that was supposed to come, but he wound up getting ill and didn't join us. But every day we had to climb up basically 2,200 feet to the top of the site, um, which will be indicated when we get into the pictures, but we were about 14,000 feet. 14,000 feet? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, uh, well, then it's no wonder that uh, n nobody has seen this, at least in the outside world until now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things, if I can put it that way, that are right around the corner in, in the mountains. But you don't go there because there's not a road that goes there. Or it's just too hard to transverse. Or they have signs that say, do not trespass. This is public park, but you can't come here. <laughs> uh -huh. Or you can go into the canyons in Sedona and, 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 and see things that, that people don't even know are there. And you can get lost in the labyrinth of canyons. Um, when you wrote me that email, Robert, mm -hmm. you seemed to feel as though there was at least a chance you might not come back. Is that accurate? There is a chance. Um, I felt that right now, uh, to be frank. Um, I'm being watched. Um, I went in to uh, discover not only an ancient city, but uh, what could be a UFO base. Um, because I was interested in where do these ships come from and where do they go. We have a lot of stories uh, about ships that come from the inner earth we know that there are openings we know that they come out from there yeah and before anybody else anybody out there says boy is this kooky um uh-uh when you see what he has found uh you will recognize i this goes to our origins it goes to who we are how we got here whether we are the first 
or whether there have been other civilizations that have come and gone, whether there have been visitors from elsewhere that have produced these artifacts that are now beginning to be dated uh, older than they possibly could be. So it's not so kooky, folks. Um, let's, uh, so it took you how long to get there? Oh, well, it didn't take me long to get there, but it just took me long to walk over there. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what I mean by um, get there. You know, it was every day. It was like uh, we were going in, and it took most of the day to climb up to where you were going to go to the tops of uh, where these formations were. At 14,000 feet, um, generally, you require oxygen. Uh, air gets pretty thin. It gets real thin. I, I, you can just barely... You get tired real quick. I'll yeah, you can barely get away with it at 14,000. Barely. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when I used to fly, uh, we were required to take oxygen at about 12,005. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you begin to get very lightheaded. You can get lightheaded if you don't pace yourself. But I'll tell you one thing. When I was up at the top, I could look straight across at the horizon, and I could see just about the very peaks of the Continental Divide. Wow. And uh, there was nothing but mountains everywhere. I mean, just everywhere. To, that's so even, even you then, even you were not willing to make this trek, uh, this journey, until you had seen some photographs. Yes, because I hear a lot. And uh, to make a journey like this, to invest time, to talk to elders, to ask them to come, and to ask them what they knew about this location, to ask them if they had any stories or they had any knowledge of these kinds of places. Um, people get very spectacle. A spectacle. Spectacle. Skeptical. Yes. And they so they skeptical. It's like, yeah, yeah, we've heard that before. And, you know, there are these places. We know about them. But a lot of these places are even lost to our memory, you know, um, meaning there's a lot of people in the native world right now who are going through their own trials and tribulations because so many of the elders are passing over and not passing their ways down. They're, they don't know the ceremonies anymore, a lot of them, in their whole entirety. Uh, I know amongst the Hopi, a lot of the elders, the Hopi Sinem, the, the spiritual leaders, um, many, most have passed over that remember their sacred songs and their sacred ceremonies. So you're dealing now with people trying to remember. And so a lot of these stories are lost. The, the, the facts about the stories, they, they, they remember things being told when they were younger about these kinds of places existing. But they don't have a hard record of them. All right. So there uh, we were, like, comes the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. and in uh, the middle of the winter, and like, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Is like, are we dealing with blizzard? What am I dealing with here? Is this like Admiral Byrd?" Um, Believe me, in a blizzard at fourteen thousand feet, uh, you all could have been killed. Well, the other thing about the mountains is the weather's really unstable. You know, it's like you can get up and it's sunny, and three hours later you're in the middle of a snowstorm. Right. So, and and particularly so this year with our friend El Nino. Just oh, yes. storm after storm raging over that area. Very dangerous journey, indeed. All right, look, um, I want you to give out your website so that you can help absorb the uh, uh, the amount of uh, bandwidth that we're, we're trying to uh, get these photographs okay, out. Okay, we, we, we have these posted up at uh, www.wolflodge.org. That's www.wolflodge.org, O-R-G. Right. Uh, or you may go to my site. Uh, and now we must consider the fact that the bulk of the people out there mm -hmm. 
do not have um, computers. The bulk of the people don't have computers, so it is time to tell them, describe for them, those who are able to see the photographs, um, uh, and, uh, and most particularly those who are not able to see them right now, what you found. Okay. Um, what I found, I talk about in my books, Last Cry and Winds of Change. Last Cry is basically volume one, and Winds of Change is volume two. And I speak about ancient sites and ancient cities being discovered. Um, there are eight such locations like this that there, I know of. There are? Uh, yeah, that I know of between um, where I was in the Rockies down to South America. And what I'm going to be doing over the next year is documenting their existence. Um, because we are a lot older than we think. And I think that when you turn down to these pictures, and I'll try to describe them, if you go into my site, all you have to do is go through Enter, and the first thing you'll see is Stargate Expedition. That's what you called it, Stargate Expedition. Right. Why did you call it that? Because I'm working right now uh, with coming up with the truth about knowledge, everything from the codes in the Bible to the deciphering of star maps and constellations and their correlations and meanings in ancient prophecies with scientific fact. Um, and this is what Stargate is about. Um, we found out so many things about how to cure diseases with frequencies, um, why people 10,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, built cities in the plan and format that they did. It wasn't just accidental. Um, the geometry in which they built created energy waves and frequencies which helped consciousness. And, up, you know, it's, it's funny, but if you go back 5,000 years ago, uh, we were building temples and we were building pyramids and we were building everything to spirituality and the human spirit. Now we build banks, you know, but... It's true. And I think you've heard me, you've heard Richard say, Richard... And I both feel that we're a lot older than we are. Well, I told you when I when I called Richard earlier, the website page at that point was secret. I, I gave him the address. He went and looked at it, and he just went, oh, my God. And that's going to be the reaction of many out there. Well, why don't we enter the gateway? And when we go in, you'll see a series of photos. If you hit those photos, and I guess I'm going to try to go through them chronologically... In other words, the way that they're laid out on the page. Um, and I'll say beforehand that not all of the photos and all of the evidence that I have is here, and that's deliberate. Uh, I other found words, you, you have more photos than you post. Oh, I have more photos, and I have more information. Why did you not post them? Because I don't want any chance of these sites being disclosed until I sit down with the elders and with people who I can trust and they can trust and we can figure out the full impact and meaning of what we're... I'm not sure you can trust anybody with this, Robert. Well... I'm serious about that. Uh, look, we're at the bottom of the hour, so everybody gets hung up just a little bit. But don't worry, folks. When we come back, we're going to describe to you what's up there. Prepare yourselves, I'm telling you. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. Robert Ghostwolf is my guest, and this is Coast to Coast AM. 
broadcasting to 20 states and 5 Canadian provinces with 50,000 watts of Twin Cities Radio. You're listening to AM 1500 KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. Weekdays, 2 to 5 on AM 1500 KSTP. Kingdom of Nye on the wild card line at area code 702-727-1295. That's area code 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Good morning, everybody. I'm getting the same reaction across the board. Here's a faxer. Dear Art, after some difficulty getting to the site, I've seen the pictures in caps. Oh, my God. Guess I'm no different than everyone else. I can't get over it. And on and on and on and on. That's the kind of reaction I'm getting from uh, people. Uh, so you're about to find out what it is, and uh, we're not going to keep you waiting any longer. Robert Ghostwolf, back in a moment. Once again, Robert Ghostwolf. Robert, all right, describe, please, what you have found. Okay. Um, and do so as though... As though um, you cannot see the photographs because only a certain number of people with computers... I have a partial solution for that, if I can take like 30 seconds and then we don't have to go through it later. Absolutely. Because uh, they can call up and get my books and if they, they get the books today with your show and they mention that they don't have a, a web, we'll send them copies of the photos. You're kidding. So uh, I'll give you two numbers for that. All right, hold on. I want to write them down. Go ahead, fire away. Uh, the one is 800... 905-8367. Right. 800-905-8367. Right. And the other is here at my office, which is 509-465-1606. And I will include with that a, a tape called Understanding the Emergence, which explains everything that's going on at this time. And I'll say that the website will include copies of the photos for them. All right. Very, very, very important. All right. Uh, all, right. all right. The new man, you've got manuscript, right? Yeah. Well, that's Winds of Change. Winds of Change. Winds of Change, and uh, which is volume two, because there was too much to put in the book, Last Cry. Last Cry is volume one. Winds of Change is volume two. And that is now available. They're, they're now available. At, at, no, at those numbers. At those numbers. They can also get them in bookstores if those numbers cr get crowded. All right. Um, but essentially, they'd have to get both volumes to get the full story. Okay. Um, so what happens is I'm in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, and I'm walking into this site. And uh, as you walk in, there are several uh, sculptures or formations. We can leave that up to mind, your own discernment. Uh, the nature of the stones here and the rock formations is very rapidly decomposing granite, most likely due to some of the pollution in the air. It's amazing how much pollution floats into the mountains and gets hung up um, from the, the cities that are even hundreds of miles away. And I suppose it's like what I've seen in Egypt and the decomposition 
decomposition of the Sphinx and the other pyramids there, they're just crumbling. So when you're crawling on these rocks, it's kind of difficult because even your fingers, if you put your fingers on them, you, you go to grab and you're literally pulling off a handful of stone, powdered stone. And you think that is due to pollution? I think that the, the from what I looked at, the extent of the rapidness of the decomposition, yes, which, which also leads to the fact that it's amazing that this much detail has been left in these formations. Um, as we go through, there's several formations that have... The names that I use are my own names, so I can clarify that. I just name them myself. All right. So as we go through, we go down the valley, we pass several formations, including a very large... Um, dragon or reptile that's about 70 feet tall it's obviously a Trianosaurus rex which catches your eye and go that can't be anything else we see the picture of, of, of what appears to be an old Indian chief with a, a, a lizard crawling on top of his head I mean it's a lizard it's like a horny toad and then you go in and you pass by what I call the guardians and the guardians are the first pictures that we come up to and I have pictures there of one of them uh, and they're what I'm calling griffins. It and says it says one of two griffins discovered at the site. The right, griffins, there are two griffins on both sides of the canyon, and they are the guardians of the gateway of this siteway. Yeah, they guard the whole thing coming in, and they're pointing towards specific directions, which I'll get into a little later. Because one of the things that I was trying to look at was, is this just a phenomenon? Is it just like a one-time occurrence, or is there some sort of intelligence that created this place? Um, not asking any questions or coming up with any prejudgments as to what kind of intelligence or where that intelligence came from. But something to show me that whatever I was looking at was there deliberately and that there was something behind the positioning of what I found. All right, well, with regard to the Griffins, um, how do you make that judgment? Well, when we're looking, we can see a very clear bird head that goes down to wings. And if we look at the wings, we'll notice that in the left-hand side, do you have the pictures on your, up on your... I do. I do, but I, again, I want to try and describe this for those who don't have computers. So what you're looking at is a, a, a bird figure, a griffin, that's very similar to what you would see uh, as a gargoyle on the French churches in Paris. How tall are these uh, griffins? Oh, this thing's like 70 feet tall, and it's all the way up on top of a peak. Oh, I can see that. It's, it's like at least 70 feet tall. 70 feet above average uh, terrain on that. Right. Peak. These are gigantic. I mean, they're not little three-foot griffins. These are like 70-foot carvings. And what, I, what, what we can see in the pictures is that what remains of the feathers on the wings are there. The formations of what were the feet or the bird-like feet of, of this entity. And then this humanoid bird head that's staring off in a particular direction at a specific angle. And it's obviously a bird. It's obviously a griffin. You could call it a gargoyle. Incidentally, I might add that when we were brought in, we were brought in with armed escort. And the reason why we were brought in with armed escort was because there had been a lot of mysterious things going on in the area, the disappearance of a lot of bighorn sheep, the disappearance of a lot of deer, mm -hmm. and the locals were telling a lot of stories about chupacabras. 
And the people who guided us to where this was would not go in unless they were armed. This is obviously, I mean, without question, this is some kind of sacred site for sure. Now, I see the one, Griffin. Where is the other one with respect to this one? The other one would be about 400 feet away toward the south. This would be toward the north. I've got you. And so you definitely have two of these griffins looking in the valley. And they're looking on either side of the canyon. All right. They're both staring down either side of the canyon. So the question naturally comes up, okay, when they built these things, they were obviously guardians, because from my knowledge of what they were built for. And what are they guarding? What are they pointing to? What yes. are they looking at? Yes. What are they protecting? Yes. So you start to come down through the canyon, and there are several others, uh, others, other formations that I deciphered. So a lot of them look like greys. And later on, as they get to the petroglyphs, I realized that they weren't greys at all. But what they were was what the Hopi called the praying mantis people. I mean, they were very clearly oval-eyed, uh, triangular-shaped heads that were very clear. And I was like, well, this is really interesting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, meanwhile, as you're transversing the mountain, you're, like, crawling up the side of this granite cliff, and there's, like, a lot of rose quartz and white quartz, um, which was very important because at a lot of these sites, and at most sites where, this, where, where spiritual work was done, where high ceremonial work was done, which is what we term it today, you'll find certain commonalities. One of those commonalities is you'll find quartz. The other commonality is you'll find limestone. There's always limestone. There's always quartz. You go to Giza, there's limestone. There's quartz. You go to Machu Picchu, there's limestone, there's quartz. You go to the Black Hills, there's limestone, there's quartz. Limestone plays a very big part in the energies, the frequencies uh, within the Great Pyramid, the holding of the tones, and it plays a very big role with its reaction and interreaction with granite. And when they're placed in a specific way, as in an architectural structure, they actually produce antennas, sort of needles, if you will, that can puncture dimensions as well as the atmosphere and send and receive frequency. And this is proven fact that, that, that is written about in many books. Well, one of the friends of mine who goes into that quite extensively is Dan Winter. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am. Uh... No, I'm not. Uh, he does a lot of incredible work, and he's really be worth you having on the show one day. Um, but we get into Dan a little later. As we go down... I mean, um, before we leave the Griffin, I still am not... That They are regarded as guardians, the guardians or, or the they point, do they point they, the way they They chase protect. away evil spirits. Um, they guard against the evil forces. They guard against the dark. Um, in a Native American understanding, this would be like the winged beings. Um, it would go back, as we go back through various cultures, sometimes they're considered dragons. Okay. Not reptilians, but dragons. The dragons of old. The kinds of things that we see in, um, what was that, that movie of Dragonheart? Right. They're dragons. They come from that era. They, they come from that mythology. They come from those stories. You know, and again, my term for mythology is my story, rather than history, which is his story. Mm -hmm. 
and they always protect, they always guard. They guard places where supernatural things occur, where things happen on another level of consciousness that cannot necessarily be comprehended by the everyday layman, the everyday ordinary human being, unless they were trained at certain levels of understanding. And they're always around ancient temples, they're always around ancient sites. This got carried over into France and the, and the, and the Gothic buildings where you had gargoyles. Notre Dame has gargoyles and griffins, which basically are the same all over uh, the architecture. And they're used to put away the dark, to move away the dark. All right. Thus, we call the griffin, one of the two that I have photographed, that I'm showing, as the guardians which meant to me that obviously there was something big going on in here. Obviously. So, we're crawling through the rocks, having fun, slipping and sliding, bringing a camera crew with us. At one point we realized it was ridiculous to bring all the equipment up because there was no way we could carry it. We brought video cams and everything, but you, you couldn't get up there with them. Huh. So, next time we'll have to bring people to carry them, I guess. As we move down, this is where I found... What I felt, if I had only come to find this, it would have been worth the whole trip. And what I'm looking at as I'm getting in front of the griffin and climbing up the hill and right before me is uh, a sphinx. Yeah, folks, there's no question about it. In fact, here's, here's a fax just in. I asked people to do this on purpose, to go up there and look before we told them what it was. Art, wow. We see the Sphinx. This is incredible. This is a um, a 13-year-old uh, from Vancouver, B.C. Wow. Um, so, everybody's seeing it. You have found in the Rockies a Sphinx. Uh, Complete with headdress. Yeah, the whole thing. Very clear features, um, sitting very imposingly. Carved, um, carved into this mountain. Absolutely My there. God, Robert, um, how could there possibly, possibly be... Listen, folks, for those of you who don't have computers, trust me when I tell you this is a sphinx. As very nearly as clear as the one in Egypt, it is symmetrical. In other words... Um, it's not an accident. It's, oh, no, there is no accident here. It's a sphinx. How, how the hell can that be? Well... If everybody can lend with me and, and use a little bit of my, let me submit an interpretation. I, I don't want to shock people's realities. I just would like people to wake up and realize that perhaps there's something else. And when there is something else, it doesn't mean it's the end of anything or there's no God or it's all darkness. It means that maybe we're a little more than we've been led to believe. And in my understanding and in my belief pattern, and this is my belief pattern, based on the countless books that I've had come across to me from seeing things like the face on Mars, from understanding what the elders taught me about our origins and our beginnings, the Sphinxes were built way, way longer than 50,000 years ago. They were built by a race of beings that traveled through many galaxies and through many planets. And there is a strange correlation between, again, between all sacred sites. You, you have granite. You have limestone, you have quartz, 
all of these elements are used. And I used to sit there when I was younger and go, I remember when I was, I, I saw the movie Chariot of the Gods, and I wonder, yes. like, why did they build these things like this? I mean, if they were so technologically advanced, why don't they build? Because natural elements can go through time shifts. Natural elements can survive dimensional shifts. Because everything is connected to consciousness. But let's just leave that there simply for now and get back to the Sphinx. The Sphinx in Egypt, in my opinion, is well over 28,000 years old. Just from the evidence that I saw of erosion, where you could see where the, the water eroded in a certain way along the bottom, along the base, that was not rain. There was no way that was rain. That was floods and rivers. Well, I tend to go along with you, but listen, Robert... Um the Sphinx in Egypt and the Sphinx that you have found are virtually, virtually identical. They and, are, aren't they? And, and whether it's 10,000 or 100,000 years ago... Isn't it also strikingly similar to the face on Mars? Yeah, of course. And there's no way, there is no way that there could have been any communication between continents uh, from what we know, if what we know is correct, which it obviously is not. Well, they didn't have Internet like we know it. <laughs> but they did have ways of communication. They used consciousness. It's, it's like I often go into the discussion about the Mayan and the Toltec cities and all the thousands and thousands of miles of beautifully engineered roads that they had, and yet they had no wheels. So why would they go to that extensive method of engineering to create roads for a civilization that had no wheels. But they must have had means of travel. I, I can't know whether it was a prior civilization, whether it was ETs, I have no idea. But somebody is going to have to come up with some really, really serious answers to explain this. Well, Grandpa says it was our relatives. It was our ancestors. And that we are the children of these beings. Not only did we build these things at one time, but we also built the pyramids. We built all of these things that we no longer remember how to use. Well, when you talk to Zahi Awas, director of antiquities in Egypt, he says, oh, no, the Egyptians built the pyramids, Art. That's what he will tell me. Now... Then, then ask Boris Sahin. Well, I know now we're beginning... You're right. You're right. Ask Richard. You're right. We will ask Richard. We're going to bring him on because when I called Richard and had him look at this earlier in the day, he flipped. And I can see why. We are very ancient beings. And whatever was here, if we are parents, if we are inhabitants of this earth, then our ancestors built this thing. And they built others. Remember, this isn't the only one. Can you, of course we have the photograph, can you give us any sense of the size of the Sphinx? The Sphinx is sitting at least 100 feet high. There's a lot of rubble around the bottom, a lot of rubble, because most of the granite, again, is decomposing. Um, there are carvings on the bottom of the Sphinx, carvings around where the shoulder of the leg would go into where the paw was, which is no longer in existence. Now, when, when you say carvings... Car these are carvings. You mean as in petroglyphs? No, as in carvings, not petroglyphs. There are carvings down the bottom of, of faces, and... Um, so, for the sake of argument, I'm going to call one the old man, and I'm going to call the other one the boy. So, so in other words, people who would say, oh, this is just a one in a gazillion formation of rock that happens to be identical to the Sphinx, 
with what with the uh, with the carvings. No way. There is no way. Plus, I went a step farther than that, as I disclosed where all the sites were. We 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 brought a GPS with us. That wonderful thing that you advertise in your program. A global uh, positioning satellite uh, device. Correct. Where you connect to five, six satellites, seven satellites, it'll tell you how many satellites you connect to. That, no matter right. where you're walking, you can tell what your location is, what the longitude, what the latitude was. That's right. Hold, hold it right there. It's a good place to hang everybody up. I'm telling you, you've got to see this. Robert Ghostwolf has found a sphinx in the Rocky Mountains. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. For Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye, send it to him at area code 702-727-8499. 702-727-8499. Please limit your faxes to one or two pages. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now, here again is Art. Good morning, everybody. Robert Ghostwolf is here. He has made an archaeological find in the Rocky Mountains, our Rocky Mountains, that is going to shake a lot of people right to their foundations. We've got the photographs. We've got the proof. We'll tell you more about it. Catch you up in a moment. Here's one that just came in. Dear Art, Sitchin, Turnage, Hoagland, Ghost Wolf. The pictures, the information are absolutely awesome. I'm almost hyperventilating with this proof of our origin. It's been here all the time. It must be getting very close to the end and the new beginning, according to the star maps. Could you ask Robert if the polar shift is coming within the next ten years? Um, what we, what Robert has found is nothing short of astonishing. It is a gigantic archaeological find. Uh, we have proof he is found at the 14,000-foot level in a remote portion of the Rocky Mountains. A sphinx. The Sphinx, as far as I can see, uh, from what I can judge, in every sense, the Sphinx. I've been to the Sphinx in Egypt. When you see that, and when you see this, if you don't uh, uh, sit down uh, because you have to sit down, then you just aren't thinking. I'm telling you what this man has found is incredible. And we're going to kind of recap the story for you. Move on. Get comments from Richard C. Hoagland, of course, who was also blown away earlier today when I, I was able to show these photographs to Richard before we put them up. If you would like to see them, go to my website at www.artbell.com. That's all, lowercase. Scroll down uh, to the guest area and click on the name Robert Ghostwolf on the links there, and what you will see is going to blow you away. And we have not even finished describing what is there. 
Back to Robert in a moment. Here's Snappy for yourself and discover the company behind this amazing technology. They're on the web now at www.play.com. That's P-L-A-Y dot com. It was about five weeks ago that Robert Ghostwolf contacted me and said, Art, I'm going into the Rockies. There is something I'm looking for. I may and may not make it back. He made it back. He went there with a group of elders uh, to locate what you are now able to see on my website or his website. We'll give you the addresses again. Uh, we can also get you photographs, by the way, and we'll tell you uh, all about that in case you don't have a, a computer. Anyway, he made it back, and what he has found, well, people are using words in the faxes I'm getting like amazing, incredibly significant, wow, it obviously is a sphinx, there's no, absolutely uh, no question about it. Uh, people are going absolutely wild, as they should be. Uh, as somebody said he asked his wife to download the images, had to wake her up out of bed to get the images, and his wife, not a believer in this kind of thing, <laughs> downloaded the images that we're offering you tonight and said, Oh, my God, if what I'm seeing is not fake, then I've got an awful lot of thinking to do. Robert, uh, welcome back. Uh, okay. let, let's roll this over one more time. You're at the 14,000-foot level, and it, you made about 2,000 feet a day to get up to this. Found first these griffins, these bird-like uh, creatures, um, rock formations, about 75 feet in height, each one, guarding, in effect, what you then found, uh, which you call the Arch Archangel Gabriel the gatekeeper to the spirit world. And I've been at the Sphinx, Robert. I've been there. I've touched it. I've put my hands on it. I've been around it. In fact, this Sphinx, Sphinx that you have found... Oh, hell yes. So we're, we're dealing again with, with, with a global unity here. It's like no, nothing is no longer secular and privileged only to a specific area. And Glo I'm telling you, there are more of these. Global unity? 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 years ago? 50,000? Uh, not, not, <laughs> not, not with us. Not with what we've become. I, I mean, this is just, um, it's going to rewrite. I, all right, so people know you are not disclosing where this is specifically, and I don't blame you. It would have to say it'd be raped. There's no question about it. What about those people? I mean, almost nobody is saying, "Gee, what a fake" or anything like that. But there are a few people who have already inevitably written and said, uh, "Oh, this is a trumped-up uh, baloney. This is all done with them." Um, uh, computers and so forth and so on. To those. Well, you know, if you look at the photographs, and I, I think I better make a statement here because I just got one of these emergency photos. The, the photo, if people don't have web with the purchase of the books, because people are calling up thinking that we're just giving away free photographs. And that would like be an impossible demand to meet anyway. Look, most people, let, let's roll through it. Yeah, let's do that. Most people, first of all, if you can get to a computer, you can see the photographs. They're free up on my website. On the Wolf Lodge website, they're free. You can go to a library uh, and see them that way. Or if you wish, um, if you buy 
What, what is it they are required to buy? Is it is it the new manuscript, Last Cry, which is Volume One, and Winds of Change, and then we will include the tape and the photographs with them, the copies of the photographs. If they want to, they can actually purchase photographs if they're not happy with the copies. But I uh, we. I just can't give free photographs. I know. I have got like a thousand calls coming in on the line. I, I know it. Listen, uh, let me tell you, Robert. One time, I made the tried, somebody called up and said, "Hey, Art, would you send me uh, a photograph of yourself?" And I was very innocent at that point. I said, "Oh yeah, sure. Send me a self-addressed stamped envelope, and I'll send you a photograph." Well, I was looking envelopes months later. I, I sent out thousands. Okay, I get the taste off your tongue. That's right. That's exactly right. So, yeah, you've got to be very careful about this. Now, um, so, look, you're, you're offering the photographs free on the web. Uh, if they can't do that, if they really want hard copies of the photographs, you will sell them copies of the photographs. Or for 8367, or they call 509 465 1606, 509 465 1606, which is my office, and if they call that number, the books are even autographed. Really? So, um, it's a pretty good little package. All right. Uh, Back to the Sphinx. Um, if we look at the photographs, and you can see the trees, you can see stones, you can determine distances and heights, because I'm certain that as people start to look at this, I'm going to get all sorts of cynical engineers yep. and mathematicians looking at it. Yep. And um, that's why, if they want it, they can get the photographs from me. And they can see that this is exactly what's on the photograph. Where on the site, I did enhance certain photographs so that for the purpose of viewing, that was only done with the petroglyphs. Okay. Which we'll get to later. But yeah, you can we'll see here the height of a tree, which is obviously full-grown pine trees. And as you're looking at them, you can sort of determine, well, that's a tree. It must be like 15, 20 feet tall. So obviously it's about the size of the Sphinx's eye, jaw. You can determine what the height is. And uh, you would estimate There's no it. way that I could have made a clay sculpture in my backyard <laughs> this high. I know that. I know it, Robert. Uh, these are genuine. I don't question it for a second. How... Uh, give us what you think the dimensions of the Sphinx itself to be. Okay, you have to understand that I'm standing on the side of a mountain. Or if I'm up next to the Sphinx, it's so tall it's way above my head. And so what I'm dealing with is, in my approximation, I'm going to say it's at least 100 feet high. 100 feet high. It is probably a good... 60 feet wide. That's got to be... I don't know what the dimensions the of, of the Sphinx in Egypt are, but it's okay. close. Um, that's what I could determine. It's built into the mountain. It's, car, it's, it's coming out of the mountain. Yeah. There's no rump on the back, okay? But it's the front. It's like if I go to the Sphinx that I talked about uh, a while back on your show in um, St. Louis... Um, what I'm looking at is a sphinx carved along a mile and a half ravine. But the, the face is there, the eye is there. You can only determine it from a photograph, a, an aerial photograph. But it's there, and it's not the whole sphinx, but it's the head and the chest. What we're dealing with here is the head, the chest, and what's left of what was the feet. Yeah. And I um, mean, this is a shocker. You look at it, I, I think anybody who looks at this says, sphinx, symmetrical. 
uh, all the features are there, the face, the, the side uh, where it comes down, just as the Egyptian Sphinx does. Um, the whole thing, it's there. I, I just... You know, well, that, people are that is amazing to me, too, is that they were identical. <laughs> right when I looked at it, it was like, oh, I know you. <laughs> it was not like it was a different kind of a sphinx. And that's the amazing thing when we look at this, when we look at what's on, 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 in Cydonia, in Mars, when we look at the sphinx, when we look at the sphinx of keys, they, they are identical. They are these lion-featured beings yeah. with, with these faces and these headdresses that come down along the side, very Egyptian-looking, maybe Atlantean-looking. No question. Um, and, and what, to my knowledge, this represented a race of beings that were called... Hathors, um, and they were cat-like beings. All right. Before we get into that, you, when we left off, uh, you were saying you had a GPS with you. Okay. So, is this just a phenomenon? Is this the, is this the fluke? Is this just some strange phenomena? Well, I'll say this much: there's over seventy different figures that I saw there, that I photographed, that I have evidence of. Um, there were at least, and this is interesting, there were at least 21 dragons everywhere. Sleeping dragons, moving dragons, standing dragons. Um, there was pyramid-shaped rocks. There is, at the end of this canyon, which is the next photograph we'll get into, is, is the angel, which is another remarkable thing um, and undeniable for what it is. But... When we positioned the main figures, what we came up in my estimation at this point was constellations. We came up with points that literally showed constellations in the sky. We have not completed uh, the research on this totally. It's going to take me a couple of weeks. I'm certain. Because um, I want to make sure that we're totally accurate with this. But what it appears to be right now is that we have, between the, the Sphinx, the old one looking in who's not here, what we have with the Griffin, what we have with the Angel, and what we have with some of the other ones, is we definitely have the top half and right down the leg of Orion. <laughs> now, this is too coincidental to me, because if I go to Stonehenge, I have Orion. If I go to Giza, I have Orion. If I go to the Black Hills in South Dakota, I have Orion. If I go to Machu Picchu, I have Orion. If I go to Chichen Itza, I have Orion. This cannot be a coincidence. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, in fact, uh, what you have here in these photographs is no coincidence, but what it is going to mean... To everything we thought we knew. Is we're so, is so we're going to have to really look at the pages. Uh, and maybe drop conclusions and open up a little bit. There are a lot of people who are going to be angry and challenged by this, Robert. A lot of them. We could, isn't, that what, we, isn't that what science and discovery is about? Yes, sir, it is. It's about the truth. People were angry when we flew a plane. People were angry when Henry Ford made the first assembly line car. People were angry at the first steam engine. And people were definitely angry when we flew to the moon. But then there was a lot of people that were helped. And, a lot, and the world, in some senses, got better. All right. 
Anyway, on the side of this sphinx, or below the sphinx, you said there were carvings. Yeah, there, there were carvings. Um, the nature of them at this point, I'm just going to say there's a, there's a man's head, there's a boy's head. The man's head and the boy's head appear throughout the valley um, in a few locations, and they're specifically there for direction. Um, the man, the old one, uh, apparently points toward the heavens or points toward potential danger, sometimes from the other side of the head. He'll be looking straight across at what is a dragon formation, mm -hmm. sometimes another kind of formation. And wherever the boy seemed to be pointing was leading you to the next place to go, mm. the next site, the next location. The Sphinx itself is facing south. And the carvings that I looked at in the bottom indicated to me that there was a southern gateway, a southern connection. There was something specifically to the south because I was starting to realize now that there was nothing here that was accidental. And eventually that wound up leading me to Arizona where I found with the Hopi who understood exactly what I was showing them, which also threw me for a loop. It was like they knew all about it. And then they took me to a place, which is where I took the pictures later of the, of the petroglyphs. And the Sphinx is sitting in front of a formation that uh, I call the castle. And there are openings in the rocks that allow light to come through that it's kind of eerie. It's like I haven't had time to be there at different times of the year. But it wouldn't surprise me if at certain times, like equinoxes or solstice, the light shone through these openings to a certain point. I don't believe for a second any of this is accidental. And nobody who goes up and looks. Uh, mm -hmm. and, then, and then right where this castle-like formation is, because it looks like a castle, but it's not. It's just a formation. At the end of it, if we go to the next photograph. Okay. May, may I may ask you to finish up on something again, the uh, the GPS. When when I looked at the patterns, you know, the GPS has a little viewfinder screen on the front. That's right. And so as I was going through all these things, we were just recording locations. And there were points where, um, just like a compass in certain areas around certain sacred sites, right. it won't make any sense. It'll spin backwards. It'll be like anti magnets right the the polarities will be reversed there were places where we had trouble reading the gps but where these main formations were and there are others yes where these main formations were when we came back later on that evening and we're sitting here looking at these things i'm staring at the gps and we're drawing the locations on a piece of paper right and i am sitting there having a cigarette because some excuse me folks i do smoke <laughs> and um i was sitting there having a cigarette and a cup of coffee very and quickly and looking straight up at the sky, and I'm looking at Orion, and I'm looking down at the GPS, and I'm looking up at Orion, I'm looking down at the GPS, and I said, my God, there it is. All right, hold it right there. Robert Ghostwolf is my guest. With comments in a moment, Richard C. Hoagland. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM.
the Kingdom of Nye from east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. Now again, here's Art Bell. Once again, here I am, a major archaeological find in the Rocky Mountains. It is the Sphinx. It is the Sphinx. Now, how would a Sphinx get into the middle of the Rocky Mountains? Well, that certainly is a good subject for discussion, isn't it? Uh, we'll get back to uh, Robert Ghostwolf in a moment. And uh, waiting on the line is Richard C. Hoagland, who also got to see these photographs earlier in the day. The new... Beijing wind-up lantern is sort of a second-generation Beijing item. Now, CNN had run a story on this long ago that it was coming. Guess what? It's here. The Beijing lantern. Same idea as the Beijing radio, except it's a light. Now, you get a spare bulb when you order it. Uh, the charger is included. You've got a five-year warranty on the lantern, two-year uh, warranty on the batteries. When you wind it for 30 seconds, it gives you three minutes of lantern light. It's made of high-impact ABS plastic, the same kind of uh, signature construction as the radio, built like a tank. You will never worry about light again. You can operate it on batteries for up to two hours, you can crank it. You can charge with a crank. It is remarkable technology, and we have a shipment of them in. When they're gone, there'll be another wait, as there has been worldwide. These are in incredible demand. The Beijing Wind-Up Lantern, $74.95 from the Sea Crane Company at 1-800-522-8863. That's one 800-522-8863, The Sea Crane Company. All right, back. All right, back now to my guest, Robert Ghostwolf. Robert, are you there? I'm here. All right, I would like to bring on Richard C. Hoagland, who got an opportunity to see these earlier today. And when, when his computer came up and the photographs um, became apparent, he went, oh, my God. And here he is, Richard. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi. Good morning, Richard. I am Richard. looking at, oh, my God, on the, on the screen here. First of all, Robert, good morning. Good morning, Richard. I can barely hear you. I can barely... Uh, Robert... Can you hear me? Yeah, that's better. Now I can... I just speak louder. Okay, that's better. Thank you. Just, uh, you've got to speak right into the phone. These are amazing. Uh, I think they are. They are truly amazing. You know, when you were talking um, before in describing this, I couldn't help but remember an experience I had many years ago when, when a gentleman named Bill Cody called me. Uh, Art, do you know Bill Cody? I do not. Okay, Bill Cody uh, was the producer of the first of our two videos. He is a cameraman par excellence. He's worked very closely with Boris and John West. In fact, he was the, the director of the Mystery of the Sphinx, the um, uh, special NBC that won the Emmys. Right. That presented John's work first to a national audience. Bill came to me many years ago when I was in, in Virginia, and he wanted to have permission to use some of the Sidonia material as part of an archaeological dig and expedition that he was doing at that time into something completely different here on Earth, down in, uh, in South America. 
in fact, in, in Peru. Robert, have you ever heard of a place called Markawasi? Yes, I have. Ah, do you know much about it? No, I don't. Okay. Hopefully, I'm supposed to be there in the fall. Aha. Well, you will have many ahas. Because our, there is a plateau in Peru, located again, kind of like the 14,000 foot level, where there is a set of figures carved in the rock. This was the claim. And, and Robert had sent me, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, Bill, Bill had sent me some, some photos so I could look at, at, at what was there, including some video. That was astonishingly uh, anthropomorphic. There were figures of, you know, as you have described and, and demonstrated on your website, Robert, griffins and other things, including um, things that look like sphinxes. And what, what Bill wanted me so to we're do... We're talking similar architecture. Exactly. And what he wanted me to do was to kind of give him the imprimatur of the uh, Sidoni investigation and permission to use this as part of a video he was putting together to basically try to get some people to fund a, a, a true archaeological expedition. What he didn't know is that we had a grid. And so when I looked at the photographs, the first thing I asked him was, is there a sphinx? And there was a kind of a tremor's nature to his voice, and he said, uh, yeah. And I said, is it on the northern part of the plateau, and does it sit at such and such on the coordinates? And he says, oh, my God, it does. In other words, by using the grid, I was able to test the veracity, because lots of people claim things, Robert, as you know. Yes. But there are a few things that are real, but when they really are real, and they are the kind of paradigm shift that this represents, you know, you basically know that you're onto it. Uh, now, these photographs have, they're, they're either one of two things. Uh, they're either fakes, or it's absolutely a sphinx well, in I've the Rockies. Well, I've the photos, and they're certainly not fakes, all right? But, Robert, let me ask you this question. Without revealing where this is, um, do you have any idea of how old this stuff might be? You know... That's, like, really hard to determine without doing actual laboratory tests. Well, ballpark it. But, you know, my ballpark figure is that they're way beyond 20,000 years old. Okay. The, the condition of the rocks, the decomposition of the granite, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, See, what I'm looking at on the website, and by the way, your website is very slow, meaning I know. lots of traffic. I, I know. I know. I, I even turned off the studio cam to conserve bandwidth so people can get up there. <laughs> so we even turned off the lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it looks eerily like Markawasi, Robert, and Art, all right? And Markawasi, to, to my eye, looks about 200,000 years old. That's our drop-dead date for Sidonia. That's the date we are projecting of a migration of someone from Mars to here. Well, as we know with the announcement of NASA, they're about to do the image. They buckled the public pressure. And they're about to do the imaging, they say, of Cydonia. But you know, Richard, that's on Mars, and it's extremely interesting. And we have people uh, like uh, Dr. Van Flandren who are saying, prepare yourselves, this is not a natural object. But yeah, I talked with Tom this afternoon. Did you? I talked with David Webb, who, by the way, is getting better. He sounded much stronger. Good. And he has a book that uh, he actually is getting ready to maybe do an interview with you, Art, if you would like to talk to Dr. Webb. I would love to. Uh, you and I have a program, a whole show to do next week, and so we won't do that now. But uh, I did want to at least get your reaction, Richard, to the, these amazing, amazing photographs. And any, any questions you have about them, 
Uh, fire away now. Well, Robert, uh, the, first of all, first of all, it, it, it's, it's nice to finally meet you, even if electronically. I've been missing each work. other, yes. And there are a lot of overlaps between the Enterprise mission and the Sony investigation and its various permutations, as I'm sure Art can tell you, and, and the things that I'm looking at on the screen here. Mm-hmm. One of the projected models we have been working on for Sidonia, for what we see on Mars, mm-hmm. is that somehow the human species is connected. And Tom was on, on our show a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and discussing a very extraordinarily intriguing model that Mars is a satellite of a larger planet that blew up and there was some kind of migration, and we're the result. This, this evidence that you're presenting, these remarkable effigies, because of how old they look, they just have that feel yeah. of being on the order of hundreds of thousands of years old. They look very much like the Markawasi ruins, and they look very much like the Sphinx looks if you don't keep patching it. Now, it was interesting that you made the comment that this Sphinx that you're seeing is only the front part, and the uh, paws appear to be severely damaged, mm-hmm. from what I can see. Yes, they are. Okay. The face looks very... God, it almost looks like a death's head. It, it really looks achingly ancient and very eroded. Yes, it's very It has a serene look to it. And one of the things that Kinsia, our artist in the project, has been doing is sculpting the face over and over again on Mars. You know, she has been the one who has really kind of given me this perception when looking at these things that it's very difficult art for an artist to, to, um, to fake it. In other words, when you come across something that has the power and majesty of true art, that, that has the soul and the creation put into it by the, right. the eye and the heart and the mind of man. Yes, sir. Even when you degrade it, it still retains that essence of higher level creativity. Well, there are always those who will suggest because they wish to reject that it's a fake. There are always those, and I'm getting some of that. Uh, it's got to be a fake, they say. Uh, and it's because to accept it, to accept that these are real photographs. That's well, not maybe they should look at the fact that what you're looking at when you look at that on the, on the web is that you're looking at two completely different photographs taken from two different angles. Yeah. I kept trying to get some sort of comparison between the trees and the height of the trees and what we were looking at. Now, you couldn't get any of your people up there, right? So you could do a kind of a comparison? I couldn't what? You couldn't get any of your people up there? You went with a party of, of elders? Oh, no, we were up there. We were on the head of the Sphinx. Oh, but I mean, I, I, the normal... We couldn't, get, we couldn't get all the camera gear up there. In the frame for a reference. What they couldn't get was all the camera gear up there, Richard. Uh, they climbed, uh, what'd you say, about 2,500? 2,000 feet, and, and there was a lot of snow. It snowed. The day after I took this picture, every every day they made about two thousand feet. The back side of it, uh, the the north side, because it is on the north side of the hill. The back side of it, you couldn't. I mean, it was basically coming down it was like cross country skiing. Right. You, you 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 sort of made it on your rump down most of the hill. <laughs> uh, and going up again, the the quality of the rocks was very sheer. These cliffs are very sheer, right. and the rubble makes it rather precarious to get foothold. No, this looks on the order of a couple of hundred thousand years old. Well, that works with the prophecies. Mm-hmm. Now, there are ways, of course, to check this. And, and one of the things I would ask of... you is to take your GPS measurements and actually look at Carl Monk's data. 
You're familiar with Carl Monkart? Uh, vaguely. He's the B-52 engineer yep. living in New York State. Right. Who we met many years ago. Mm -hmm. Who has found, Robert, a series of grid measurements relating to the ultimate uh, 360 circle, you know, degrees, minutes, and seconds. All over the world, he is able to integrate both old and new world sacred sites, including a lot of the mound culture material in the eastern United States and a lot of the material in the Central American uh, region, such as Tikal and Palenque and Teotihuacan and all that. If you were to take your GPS measurements and overlay them on his grid, my bet is, if this is real, it'll pop out to be exactly on the grid. And it will relate to other sites. It will predict the location of other sites yet unknown. And if you don't have a copy of his book, I can, I can get you a copy. That's well, good. I'm breathless. Um, I almost don't know what to say. I mean, these pictures stand on their own. I've been this way all day long. <laughs> Well, when I called me this morning, Robert, he, 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 I was very chastened. It was like, I've got to show you this secret stuff, and don't you tell anybody, but, oh, my God. And I, I you know, logged on the web live when he was on the phone, and sure enough, his his awe was, was uh, vindicated. <laughs> Richard, uh, you and I are going to do a show uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Yes. And we will go into this and many, many other things at that time. I really appreciate your coming on, though this morning just to give us your reaction well i am i am heartened that we're in we're making progress the, the sedonia announcement yesterday is good news if they follow up this is astonishingly uh, correlative robert you and i obviously need to talk off the air that would and, be very good and to compare some notes yeah just um, in case you don't have i think chance. i have a lot of information that would back up everything that you're finding just from another point of view just in I case uh, just in case you two don't have each other's phone numbers i will uh, see to it you get them how's Excellent. that all right before i go let me ask one question go ahead did you find any underground entrances did you find a sacred cave i found an entrance that was blocked can you get through it you can't get through it. It's These stones were placed in there. I see. All right. There's vertical and horizontal stones that indicate that it didn't happen by accident. Okay. You two need to talk. Yes, we do. Uh, talk to you uh, uh, Monday night, Tuesday. Uh, make that Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Richard. Thank you, Art. Take care. That's Thank Richard. you, Richard. See Hoagland. All right. Uh, now, the petroglyphs. Um, there are... Let's go to the angel. All right, the angel. I mean, that's quite remarkable in itself. And I'm calling it Gabriel. Why? Well, Gabriel was the gatekeeper, wasn't he? According to our stories. Yes. In Judeo-Christian belief. And when Adam and Eve were cast out of heaven, he stood there with his sword of fire and blocked the gateway so they couldn't return. All right. Likewise, Gabriel would be the gatekeeper to this place, meaning that you would have to get to a certain frequency, and using today's languages, you'd have to be, get to a certain resonance in order to be able to enter the spirit world, Right. in order to be able to see the portals, which might appear to us as stone, but if you get to a certain frequency, you see the opening. Uh, so here's looking up at this cliff, right alongside as you go down along the castle, mm -hmm. at the far end of the canyon, is this figure that I'm looking at and I'm going, my God, look at that one. And as we look at the photographs, it looks like what I'm going to call a, a, an angel that was carved by Raphael. 
I mean, the, the features are there, the page boy haircut, the wings are there. Seems to be holding some sort of a book or some sort of an object, which is that indicating that he's reading the Akashic Records? Yes. Okay. He's looking back at the other sculptures or figures or formations, and he's looking back that way. And, 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 and the strange contrast is that what he's looking back is the ancient past. It's almost like when you walk through this canyon, you are looking at a library of times, events, and things that happened on Earth in different time realities. And which gives one the impression of, am I looking at a library or am I looking at a game board? Yeah. There's some sort of game board for the gods. Um, because everything back toward the Griffins is very old, very ancient. And then all of a sudden we have this angel. Now, is it an angel? Is it a winged being? Is it, is it what we want to call it? Uh, to me, a winged being is an angel. Very clear. Whatever it is, it does look like an angel. And it looks like something you'd see in front of the Christmas tree, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Exactly so. Yes, sir. It does. And this is way up at the top. Could not get to it. Could not get to it. The snow was too bad. The ice was too bad. But it is as tall as the Sphinx, from what I could tell. Um, and it, if we look at the smaller photograph, you, you'll notice that there were some carvings down at the lower right-hand corner. I see that, yes. Um, and there's almost like what was see some sort of an ancient pathway that went up to it. What was up on top, I don't know. Could not get to it at the time. It's hard to make out what those carvings are. They look it's almost like the turrets of a castle or something. They, yeah, they, they really do, don't they? Remarkable. Um, listen, let me give you one chief big criticism and let you answer it. Uh, people are saying, look, there's no trees above 12,000 feet. Why are there trees? Not in necessarily true. No? It's not necessarily true. I can take you to places, uh, plenty of places. You can go to Taos, New Mexico, to the ski runs. And you can go up there, there's trees 13, 14,000 feet high. You can go up to Machu Picchu, there's trees there. Okay. Um... People have the general impression that there is... A, in, in, in general, in, 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 in a lot of instances, that probably holds true. But there's also a lot of exceptions to, to that situation. When you go up to places in the Himalayas, um, they're of that height, and there's vegetation and trees there. So we're dealing in a lot of places in the mountains where you have microclimates. This particular place was a lot warmer than the area around it. Why? I don't know. That that could be a phenomenon, or it could just be the condition of the mountains and yeah, the way the wind blows. There's, right. a, there's a lot of things that then we have to bring scientists into. At, at this point, I was going to this place strictly in the capacity of an archaeologist looking out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we're, we're dealing with, when we get up to the top of the angel, there's no trees on top. Uh, correct. So, but then you go to another place, and there's trees. And then in, in the middle of all these cedar trees and pine trees, uh, which I find one solitary ponderosa pine. I mean, I don't know how it got there. there there's nothing around there like it, but there's just one single ponderosa pine. Huh. So all, all, all I can say to that is I'm simply showing what I recorded. Uh, you know, I don't for one second think these are fake photographs, period. I'm convinced. 
I don't. Uh, I'm. I'm past the. Well, I'll sit down with you and Richard, and some scientists, and have them go over to negatives. Um, if if it ever came to that, because I have the negatives. All right. Yeah. I, look. I, I. Again, I'll say it. I have no doubt. These are real photographs, and the reason you're going to get challenge on this is because of what it means if they are real. And what it means if they are real is that all our notions of where we came from and what we are are simply wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. They're incomplete. And maybe part of what the work that I'm doing, that Richard's doing, that Zachariah's doing... We're trying to show that there's something more to the picture. And when we can look at the wholeness of what we are, then maybe we'll understand why things are the way they are, and then maybe we can change things. All right. Uh, hold it right there. Take a good rest. This is a man who's been up and who has been uh, climbing in the wilderness now for a very long time, just back and presenting you with the evidence of what he has found. And it really is something past the word. The photographs are on my website at www.artbell.com. Scroll down to Robert Ghost Wolf, the name. You'll see the link. Click on it. Take a look. Let us know. AM 15. In the Kingdom of Nye, from outside the U.S., first, dial your access number to the USA, then 800-893-0903. If you're a first-time caller, call Art at 702-727-1222. From east of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, call Art at 1-800-618-8255. Or call Art on the Wild Card Line at area code 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye. Good morning, everybody. Pass the word. There has been a major archaeological find in the Rocky Mountains of America. Robert Ghostwolf has found a sphinx and a lot more. So, pass the word. We're going to leave the photographs up on our website. And if you have not yet seen them, go beg, borrow, don't steal a computer. Go to a library on the weekend. Do whatever you have to do. And see these photographs. They're at www.artbell.com. All you do is scroll, scroll down to Robert Ghostwolf's name. Click on the link. And it will take you right to right to the photographs. Uh, we, because of bandwidth problems, because obviously so many thousands and thousands of you are going up there right now, uh, we have turned off the uh, studio cam to conserve uh, bandwidth. So please don't go there and try to look at the studio cam because it's off. We also, of course, you can go to uh, Robert Ghostwell's site and we'll tell you about that in a moment. But the reactions are pretty uniform. For example, hey, Art, Jason from Wisconsin, holy, and you know what he said, holy something. I'm working graveyard right now. 
at a rock station in Madison and was listening to you on satellite, wow, I am a Christian still and always will be, no matter what's discovered, but wow, it really causes oneself to begin to think. It has to. I mean, you can't look at this and not begin to think, where did I come from? Did I, did I really come from what I think I did? Did mankind come from the origins that we all imagined we came from? These photographs are, in my opinion, um, conclusive. Carbon dating, I'm sure to follow. I don't know how much uh, is going to be allowed in terms of access right now. Robert Ghostwolf is not telling you where this is. For obvious, obvious reasons, it would quickly be ruined. And I'm, I'm not really sure exactly how he's going to proceed with an investigation under these conditions. We'll ask in a moment, and we will go to the phones. You've got nothing to lose but the pain. This has got to be one of the uh, most important archaeological discoveries in North America in my memory. I'm, I could read you faxes forever. Hey, Art, great show. Definitely a sphinx. Talk about paradigm busting. People who'd get upset over having their beliefs challenged are forgetting that an infinite God is not going to have a hard time surprising limited human minds. If God is a God of truth, then truth is never something to attack. Boy, do I agree. God is God, whether the earth is 7,000 years old or umpteen gazillion years old. After all, the Bible says that to God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. Could it be that our Creator is not shackled to the notion of time? That we are the ones shackled to that notion? Once again, Robert Ghostwolf, and we will begin to take calls shortly. Robert, again, for those who may have joined late, you are not disclosing the location of these incredible artifacts. No, no, we can't. Oh, you 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 got to get close to the phone. There, we can't. Right? It's impossible. Obviously. They wouldn't last a month. Yeah. All right, so then, one question, my question, and I'm sure many's, um, many questions uh, would come of a similar nature, and that is, how do you then continue to investigate, authenticate, and date this find? We have to go back. And we have to collect ore samples and everything else that goes along with that on a, authenticating the age. We also have to go back and continue to find the other formations that are not yet disclosed. You're going to have people begging, begging you for the location. Well, if it stood secret this long, it can stand secret a little longer. I've seen the desecration of sacred sites before. Um, I think like I was speaking to you this afternoon. Uh, two years ago, in my book, Last Cry, I talk about a, an opening that the Hopi took me to. And they were rather free, even though they didn't put it in public knowledge and put it on a radio show like this or in a, in a national magazine. But they would take people to this place to show them that what they were saying was not just something out of their heads, not just something created, that these places existed. And the records were there 
of the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth world, how we got here, what happens to man. And I was just back there a couple of weeks ago, and almost half the petroglyphs had been chipped off by rock hunters. Oh, my God. Um, I see a lot of sites like this. Um, the the, the uh, You can't let these places be disclosed only for the fact that we have to understand, again, when you find something like this, yes. you're going beyond cultural borders. You're going beyond religious borders. You're going to a point of spirituality and awakening that is everybody's heritage, everybody here. Yeah. And to have these records gone, again, we're going to have people who are going to go pro and con on that. Well, maybe it's good that these things are going because now we have to figure something new out. But, you know, it's kind of hard to figure something new out when you don't know where you came from. And if the more and more that we can do to establish that we might have come from someplace else, that we are not necessarily all that we've been told that we are, that we might be more, how can we move forward? I mean, wasn't there a time when we thought the world was flat? Yes. And then there was someone who said no. And what did they do to Copernicus about that? What did they do to Columbus? What did... What did they do to the Inca and the Mayan when they told them about traveling to the stars and about using flying machines and when they talked to them about the technologies that they had? And they became so frightened that they literally leveled these cities to the ground. They leveled the temples to the ground. It's We're in this cycle of self-destruction and self-doubt that's got to stop. And right. the only way that I can figure out how to do it, the only way that the elders who talked to me and taught me can figure out how to do it is why don't we do something different this time and instead of attacking people's falsities their untruths why don't we just bring out the truth and if you bring out the truth to people it's sort of like in the letter that you just read if you bring out the truth how can you deny your own truth you'd be denying yourself so all right here let, let, let me read i agree with you completely um it, it just this just can't be denied Art, please ask Robert if he thinks it possible that those civilizations, the ones that built what we're seeing, may have destroyed themselves from too much technology. Speculation, I suppose. Uh, well, a personal speculation. I think that some of them did. I think that from what I've, have, what I've been taught, from, from what I know, some of them simply moved on to another level of reality expression. They moved to another dimension. Um, I don't believe that there was any destruction when they found Machu Picchu. And as a matter of fact, when they first got there, I believe there was even still the remains of uh, mummified food and whatnot in the plates and bowls in the houses. No sign of pestilence, no sign of disease, no sign of war, and yet everybody vanished. What happened to all the people at Easter Island? Where did they go? Um... We're, we're entering a time now where we have to open up our minds to the fact that perhaps what some of the metaphysicians have been telling us is not fiction. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the powers of the human mind go way beyond what we presently allow ourselves to perceive. And in allowing that to happen, that's how we come up with great discoveries. That's how we come up with new genius and new ideas. That's how we create new da Vinci's. That's how we come up with a new renaissance, and we are definitely in a new renaissance. I don't look at this time as an ending. There are a lot of things that are going awry, but there's also a lot of miraculous things happening. Sure. Art, uh, maybe the Hall of Records is below the paw of this sphinx. 
<laughs> I can't speculate on that yet. I understand. Um, I can tell you what I saw with remote vision, but is it remote vision or was it just an Indian having a vision? Yeah. Um, winds of change. We sure are having winds of change right now. Uh, NASA just released the fact the Earth has actually slowed in its rotation due to the ferocity of El Nino. Uh, we have social change continuing. Um, everybody's heard by now about the kids in Arkansas. It seems like things are speeding right along to me, Robert. And maybe uh, this discovery is coming at an, an appropriate time to cause people to somehow uh, reset the direction they're headed in. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a talk show host. <laughs> well, you know, if we go down to the petroglyphs, now here's an interesting phenomenon because somehow Colorado led me to Arizona. Arizona led me to a meeting with the Hopi. The Hopi sat down. We did ceremony for many, many days, as you're aware of. I'm aware because I tried desperately to get you, and uh, they kept telling me, sorry, he's in ceremony. I was finally in a place without a cell phone. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we went to this place that they showed me uh, that was right next to what they called uh, an Aztec throne, on a, where you went, and there was this throne, and there were these small group of buildings, but there was this throne chair that you could sit down and you could look directly to the south. That was not strange. A comparison to the way the Sphinx looks to the south. Yeah. And then they took me to the place where they said the other opening was. And I said, what do you mean the other opening? And they said to me, well, this is the opening that's connected to where you came from. Huh. And when I went to the opening and looked at the petroglyphs at what they call the portal, what they call the Sipapu, the opening, Sipapu, um, there before me, if you go down to the picture that says a kangaroo and a didgeridoo, and if you look at those photographs, there's a kangaroo and a didgeridoo. That's Australian. No kidding. What is it doing in the middle of Arizona? I, I... So I said to the elders, I said, well, what does this mean? They said, well, you can go through this opening, but you have to go to another dimension. But you can go through that opening, and you can come up in Australia, you can come up in Bolivia, or you can go back to where you were. Oh, Oh, my. And I said, okay. I said, so are you saying that this is where the Sphinx was pointing to? And they just said, yes. But there's an incredible... No wonder you called it Stargate. We're starting to find out that everything that we thought in ancient mysteries is true. We're starting to find out and get the proof, as I wrote about in Last Cry as I wrote about in Winds of Change, that these ancient cities, our connections and our heritage would all be revealed in this time. Now, that's not me, myself. The Mayans told us that. The Inca told us that. The Lakota tell us that. The Hopi tell us that. We can go to Australia, and the stories are there on their rocks. And when we look at these photographs, they're very, very similar to that. And then the other thing is when we look at some of these photographs, which we could spend all night going through them of the petroglyphs, there's Celtic writing. Celt Undeniable Celtic writing. All right, there's going uh, to be a very careful examination of these petroglyphs by many, many people. and maybe That's they why I put them up. Yeah. 
I would like people to contact us and let them know what they find. I can't know everything. And I only have so much time to research something. Of course. And so if we can simply put something in front of people and go, here it is, what do you see, what do you know, then we can use our collective minds and our collective knowledge to start revealing things that are probably very necessary for us to know at this time. Yeah. I'm going to get a lot of feedback from my audience on all of this, and you're going to get a lot of feedback from my audience on all of this. Let's do it again. Um, for those who have computers, you're in luck. The photographs are free to be seen. Free to be seen. Go to my website. Go to wolflodge.org uh, uh, and try to get into either one and take a look. For those who must have photographs, um, Robert is willing to supply them. You can buy the photographs. Uh, how much are you charging for the photographs themselves? I honestly don't know. So whatever it costs Whatever you. they figured out, that was something that I sort of just sprung on them this afternoon. So there's a lot of people who aren't going to have these, and they're going to want them, and there's a lot of people who are going to want the photographs to yep. examine them yep. to make sure that we didn't do some uh, studio wonderment with computer enhancement. Yeah, I know damn well you didn't. So I said, well, go ahead. Here it is, you know. All right, so uh, otherwise, if they buy The Winds of Change, if they buy uh, your earlier manuscript... Last Cry. Last Cry. or Volume 1, Winds of Change is 2. If they get Volume 1, Volume 2, if they purchase these at this time and from this show, in other words, I'm going to do this from now until, say, Tuesday. Yep. If they can verify that they, they heard it on the show, you know, just say we heard it on our bell, and if they get the books, then we will give them the tape that explains the story of where we're going and why this is all coming about. Plus, we'll do copies of the photographs. If they want actual photographs... Those can be purchased as well, but they have to be purchased to at least cover the cost. They couldn't possibly of course not. fill these orders. You, give them, you can't give them away. Of course not. I mean, you are giving them away on the Internet. Um, but uh, for hard copies, he's willing to supply them, but uh, you're going to have to buy them for what, whatever it costs him to make them. Uh, the numbers are 800-905-8367. That's 800 800- Nine zero five eight three six seven or area code five zero nine four six five one six zero six. That's five zero nine four six five one six zero six. Now, Robert, um, this is so significant that other media is going. Uh, you know, a lot of media is going to be coming to you, and there's going to be a lot of pressure. Uh, for you to disclose where all of this is. I'll just tell him you're my agent. Don't you do that. <laughs> Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Um, but there is going to be a lot of that, and it will not be disclosed. However, will you, are you willing to talk to other media? I mean, other talk shows? I'm willing to talk to other media. I'm willing to present the photographs for examination. Um, I have no reason to create anything here. I understand um, I, It's like, this is what I found. This is what you people kept asking me to start showing because I've talked about places that I've been how many times now on your show and things that I've seen. And people want you to come to Just like the photographs of the amulets. I mean, the amulets are real. Yep. And in that amulet, if you go back to those amulets, there was an absolute uh, depiction of Horus, the god Horus, the hawked god. Or we could call it Rigel, the eagle-winged eagle god. 
Um, but they were definite. These came from mounds. And, and I've seen so much of this, but I've never recorded it because when I would go to these places, I would go with my elders for the purposes of learning so that I would understand that there was more to our history than I might have conceived. And I have my obligations to these people, to our own heritage that is already crumbling. And as we can see by the devastation of so many sites, they cannot be allowed to be known until the world becomes a place where they start protecting these locations. I, I couldn't agree more. All right, Robert, hold on. All right, we are now going to go to the phones. If you have a question for Robert Ghostwolf, uh, now would be a good time. And I can see you're already all warmed up for it. So that's coming next. Robert Ghostwolf and you. This is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. Broadcasting to 20 states and 5 Canadian provinces with 15,000 watts of Twin Cities Radio. You're listening to AM 1500 KSTV, St. Paul, Minneapolis. everybody, I'll tell you we're going to do something a little special so that those of you who do not have a computer, and I understand that would be the larger portion of you out there, but so those of you who don't have one can hear those who do. I would like to restrict all of my caller lines right now to those of you that have had an opportunity to actually see the photographs we are discussing. Obviously, over time, many more will. But what I would like is the impression of those who have actually seen the photographs. So please cooperate, if you would, all the uh, caller lines right now. Let's restrict them to people who have actually had an opportunity to see the photographs. That will give you some way to gauge reaction. All right? So everybody else hang up. If you have seen the photographs, and only if you have seen the photographs, call us on any one of the call-in numbers. Uh, coming up next, your turn with Robert Ghostwolf. From the Kingdom of Nye, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. From east of the Rockies, call Art at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, at 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may fax Art at area code 702 2278499 please limit your faxes to one or two pages this is coast to coast am with art bell now again here's art all right because of the uh, really important nature of what's being discussed this morning i really would like in the next half hour or so the opportunity to speak with those of you who have seen the photographs so if everybody else would just lay back a little bit and uh, 
but not call. We'll get those on who have seen them and wish to comment and have questions. But with that in mind, stand by. Robert Ghostwolf coming right back. Are you? And uh, what I would like to do, Robert, is bring some people on who have seen the photographs and get a few reactions and questions for you. How's that? Sure. All right. Uh, I'm doing that just so the audience, the larger audience, that has not if yet. If they seen. listen. <laughs> if they listen. That's uh, that's exactly right. Um, so let's give it a try. First time caller line. You're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. Where are you? I'm in Cookville, Tennessee, and my name is Rick. Hi, Rick. Um, you've seen the photos? Hey, yes, I have. I'm amazed that you have so many photographs up on the website. I'm really impressed. Oh, what did you? All right, do you have any questions? Uh, yes. Um, what kind of uh, equipment did you take up there to the site in addition to, of course, cameras? Did you take any video during we that did take, We did take videos, but we couldn't shoot the videos given the conditions of the weather and the climbs. Okay, and also, um, can you elaborate a little bit more on the expedition going in there as far as, you know, you said you took security in there and armed men and, and things like that? All right, that's a good question. Uh, Robert? Uh, the people who let us in, um, which were two, um, came armed. Um, because of strange things that have been going on in those mountains. Uh, as I indicated earlier, there's been a obvious decrease in the population amongst the bighorn sheep and the deer in that area. Um, there were many, many stories of chupacabras. And so they would not, absolutely not go in there unless they had protection, protection for us, considering that we were going to go in there with our pipes and our sacred pipes and um, do our ceremony before we went in, and they didn't necessarily understand that. Some of them were just God-fearing cowboys. <laughs> and uh, they said, sense. well, you do what you're going to do, Wolf. We're just going to sit here in case. And they absolutely made sure that we had to leave every day by... 3.30 the latest so that we could get out of where this was and get back to uh, civilization before dark fell. They would not stay there after dark. Understood. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghost Wolf. I take it you have seen the photos. Yes, I'm looking at them right now. You're going to have to talk good and loud into your phone. Where are you? Um, this is Dan Kahn from Minneapolis. Okay, Dan. Impressions? Um, I'm looking at the Archangel Gabriel. Yes. And I'm just amazed. And I was wondering... If, like, um, well, I know you talked about how big they were, but um, compared to the other pictures, the Archangel Gabriel looks looks to me like it's a lot bigger than the rest of them. I was wondering if that was kind of true It's pretty big, but it's pretty high up, and I couldn't get to it. Okay. So I can only do a guesstimation, and I could be off by 15 feet, 20 feet, a guesstimation looking at it from the angle that we looked at it. The interesting thing to me about the Archangel is if we look really at the face of it, at the face of it, it's like almost identical to the face on Mars. It, it is. It's very um, definite, too. I mean... Uh, it's, it's not an accident. And, uh, caller, the, the Sphinx, is there any question about that? Um, no. I mean, it's... <laughs> Definite I know. It's the Sphinx. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, there you are. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Robert Ghostwolf. Hello. Where are you? Uh, I'm from Phoenix. Phoenix. All right. Well, you're on the air. Great. Um, 
This year, uh, Ghostwolf said something about uh, having a vision that he may have seen something underneath the Sphinx. Mm-hmm. Um, can you elaborate on that? What I saw and the way I, I work these things is I do what's called a double-blind test. So I'll have someone or two people from different locations cue into what I'm doing and... Um, you could call it remote vision. I believe it was the native people that taught the army how to do it. And uh, since we've been doing it for at least 30,000 years. And what I saw inside was a chamber. And what I saw inside the chamber was what appeared to me to be a liquid crystal. It's the only way I can describe it. It was spherical in shape and it was moving. It was like lights moving, like fluid light. And yet it definitely had crystalline qualities and when I checked with my sister in South Dakota um, she had confirmed the presence of this kind of energy and I checked with a Blackfoot friend up in Canada and he had the same vision um, I believe there's a term that I can't think of right now Detorian crystal which is a crystal a liquid crystal and I believe that they've they're experimenting with these things with NASA, I believe. Understand that I don't have documents in front of me to go here. Sure. Sure. Yes. sure. And I also believe from the knowledge that I've gathered that this is some of the uh, knowledge, technology that they discovered in some of the ships that they've captured, like in Area 51 and Hangar 18, where they're working with this and they don't understand it. Well, the explanation is simple. This does exist um, alien ships do use this to create their ships and fly their ships. The ships are organic in nature. Um, if you go into the Roswell ships, if you want to believe that happened or you don't want to believe that happened, it's up to you. But if, for those of us who believe it did happen, if you go in, there was like no fingerboards, there was no keyboards, there was no controls. There were just two slots for hands to go in. So what happens is that whoever's flying the ship literally merges their consciousness with the ship. And that's the nature of how these things are activated. All right, Robert, hold on a moment. We uh, have to take a midway break here, and we'll get back to the phones. Five-five, North American Trading. Once again, Robert Ghostwolf, and first-time caller line, you're on the air. Where are you, please? Hi, Art. This is Steph calling from uh, Garden Grove, California. Yes, sir. Uh, three things for Robert. Uh, number one, uh, wow. That's all, I, that's all I have to say. I there. take it that is a reaction to the photographs. Yes, it definitely is. Uh, it's just funny how we have a conglomerate of, of different things that are, that are all at one site. And, uh, and apparently at another site. And, well, yeah, you're, you're going to find more than one, I'm sure of it. The second thing is, is keep, keep up the good work there, uh, Robert. I, I really, you. really believe that it's going to do some good. Third thing, I have some supposition. Uh, you, you, you wonder why it would have kangaroos and the such at, um, at the, uh, in the petroglyphs. And, uh, uh, I kind of almost connect this. You said that you've broken Bible code to a certain extent. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, back in the, back in early, the early Old Testament, uh, they discussed the Tower of Babel and how, uh, God or, if, if I believe there is, 
sundered all the races and split them apart, basically making sure that all knowledge was was kind of twelve tribes. Yes, was was kind of kind of forgotten, and it almost makes you wonder whether that could be something that would be tied into this. And I just was wondering your thoughts. I, I, I believe it's entirely possible.、Uh, the situation here, though, is that kangaroos didn't speak a language, and what we're dealing with is geophysical reality. Kangaroos aren't here. No, no they're not. Kangaroos here. How could they possibly? So be? what we're dealing with is an animal, and, and and if we study some of the animal species throughout history that we have recorded of, of the species that are in Australia,、um, they have some very unique creatures there. That are specific to that area only. So to see that here, plus the didgeridoo,、um, I don't have any record of that being、uh, a commonly known、uh, Native American instrument. As a matter of fact, I've never heard of it until the past ten years being played in any connection with Native American music. It is not an instrument indigenous to the Turtle Island here. All right, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hello. Good evening,、uh, Art and Robert. Hi. Where are you?、Uh, east of the Rockies. <laughs> okay. Um, Robert, um, I'd like to、uh, talk to you about Zechariah Sitchin. Yes.、Um, I think did you mention him a little bit earlier? Yes, yes. he did.、Um, you know, I think this, this seems to all come back to Zechariah Sitchin's、uh, Anunnaki paradigm.、Uh, yes. We're talking about two hundred thousand or four hundred thousand or older. Uh, monuments like this. Do you agree that that Sitchin's paradigm,、um, you know, is the best fit for this, especially in light、um, of, of、uh, what's going on on Mars? In, in my opinion, in, in, in my opinion, Zachary is extremely accurate, and he's very unprejudiced in, in what he presents. And this is simply more verification of that. Is that the way you look at it? Absolutely.、No. Just an, another affirmation. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghost Wolf. Where are you, please? Oh, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Yes, sir.、Um, yes, I was. I saw the pictures, and、um, I don't quite understand、um, the connection between the Phoenix, the Griffin, and the Arch Angel、um, Michael. I mean, aren't those from three different you know groups of mythology?、Um, the Archangel Michael coming from the Christian mythology and The Sphinx coming from the Egyptian mythology. I don't understand the connection between. Well,、them. if you believe it's Egyptian, that is. Well, well, that's generally where I've seen them. But you raise it's a good question. It's a good question. Well,、uh, well, my, my comeback to that is is that I, I mentioned earlier also that these are names I've given them. Oh, I see.、Uh, they're just names I've given them、uh, because it was convenient. Yeah. You know, okay. It's, it's like there's a petroglyph that I have there that I call it. Are these flower children or illuminated beings? Did Woodstock really happen? <laughs>、um, where, where in the petroglyphs these beings have rays of light coming out of their head? Well, I, I saw things like that in the seventies, but that's another discussion. <laughs> And I, I, I can say this: what I am establishing is a global vision that we all come from one place. That at one time we were all one people, and that that's where we have to go now. And if we can see that we were all one, and that there really is no separation, how come, no matter what I hear in in in, in spiritual conversations and different theologies and, and religions, and what I hear in the prophecies or what I hear in the stories, they all basically come to the same place. They all speak of the flood. They all speak of
Mm -hmm. The beings from the stars, they all speak of this ultimate shift that we're headed toward in the quickening, um, which I wrote a very good book about. Thank you. Yes. And, 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 if, and if you haven't read my books, you should at least read his book and then get the other two. And it'll all start making sense. Caller? Uh, yeah. I, I understand that you say that uh, all things you've looked at, that you see this general thing, but I, I don't see those things in other religions, you know, such as the Vikings and, you know, Egyptian mythology. I've never, I, I don't seem to, you know, hear you. Well, Native Americans blood. talk about, and I mean both North and South America, talked about the winged tribes, mm -hmm. the winged beings. I believe Ken Carey wrote a book called The Return of the Bird Tribes, where he talks about the Aguahanwi, the winged people, the winged beings that were here. We go to Egypt, we go to Babylonia, and we hear about the winged people, the people with plumes. We go to South America, and we hear about Quetzalcoatl, the plumed serpent. We're dealing with winged beings, and don't let the language get in your way. It's when, when, you, when you get into these kinds of discoveries, when you get into the, these, these formations, these sculptures, these paintings, these petroglyphs, these hieroglyphics, you have to get into what is it beyond the word. Don't let the word stop you. One place it may be an angel. In another place it may be here, here. A, a master with a vesica Pisces coming out of his solar plexus. In another place it's the winged being. In another place still it's a witch. All right. You're exactly right. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hello. Hello, Art. Hi, where are you? In Denver. Denver. All right, you're going to have to yell at us a little bit here. Okay, no problem. Can you hear now? Yeah. Okay. I'm very astounded by that sphinx, and um, it's very clear in yeah. you know, the face. I have a question, though. Um, you, these pictures were taken, uh, two questions, actually. Uh, what time of the day were these pictures taken, and was it recently? In the they were within the last month, and they were taken at various times. Uh, um, I can't remember the times we took a lot of pictures. But they were basically between uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay. Um, that's, that kind of bothers me because um, I'm an avid uh, hunter here in the Colorado area, and I've hunted up and down the Rocky Mountain area there. And southern-faced uh, mountainsides are illuminated in 180 degrees between 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock. They're fully exposed. I, are you sure that that wasn't taken earlier in the morning because the uh, uh, shadows seem to be on the left side of the face, and that would have to be before 9 o'clock in the morning? I wasn't up there with a the camera that early. And the other thing is that we were dealing, especially with the picture of the Sphinx, an extremely overcast sky. We just had snows yeah. uh, the I, day before, and that day things were slowly breaking up. Yeah, I was. That, uh, one other thing that kind of you had a someone Art you had mentioned someone had sent in a uh, a fax. Um, yep, both Sierra pine as well as uh, pinion pine are of the genus of species evergreen coniferous, and they do not grow past twelve thousand five hundred feet. I think if you found trees higher than that, pine trees higher than that, you found a biological, uh, historical thing that never has existed before. And I was wondering, is there something special about that area? Well, he did say, he did say earlier, if you heard, that it seemed warmer uh, in that immediate area. Well, the pine trees, though, that evergreen coniferous needs a certain level of oxygen. Oxygen, I understand. I understand. About 12,500 feet, that level of oxygen does not exist, and the only thing that can live up there is moss. All right, you want to, uh, you want to uh, hit that one again, Robert? Well, I can simply say that when I looked at the topos of the area, that the, um, what they what read on the maps went from... Uh, 
everywhere from 9,000 feet to 14,000 feet. Where I was standing, there was nothing above me except very far away. Um, I didn't take an altimeter with me. I don't know the exact footage here. Um, so if I'm off a little bit, that's possible. But I know that I'm well above 10,000 feet. Well above 10. And, and when I got to where I had to go, I had to climb up. And it took two hours to climb up. Two hours? Full bore climb. <laughs> How many were in your party? Um, five to seven. Okay. Um, five to seven. So, in other words, at different points, there would have one or two dropped off or something, or what? Well, they would go to a different site. They would go to a different a, a different area. We would try to cover the whole area. Oh, it's I... quite a large area, and uh, we're talking about a couple of. You know, probably the whole site is probably a good two, three-mile area. All right, so obviously a lot more research has got to be done. But look, I'm telling you folks, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to break here. Uh, get up to my website and take a look. Uh, I believe it's cleared enough. You can get in now at www.artbell.com. Scroll down to Robert Goswell's name. Click on the link, and you won't believe your eyes. We'll be right back. DP. I keep hearing you're concerned about my happiness. But all that thought you're giving me is conscious, I guess. If I were walking in your shoes, I wouldn't wear enough. Are you and your friends who worry about me? I'm having lots of fun. Gals and flowers on the wall. That don't bother me at all. To talk with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye, from east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may call Art on the wildcard line at area code 702-727-1295. To reach Art from outside the U.S. First, dial your access number to the USA. Then, 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye with Art Bell. It is, and we are discussing a remarkable, remarkable uh, archaeological find in the Rocky Mountains, an unspecified location. We have photographs. If you wish to see them, go to my website, www.artbell.com. Dot com, that's A-R-T-B-E-L-L dot com. Scroll down to the name Robert Ghostwolf. You'll see the photographs. Just click on the link. Or you can go to wolflodge.com. Uh, either one will yield these photographs for you. Uh, just absolutely amazing photographs. What do they mean? <laughs> well, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, there have been uh, an occasional one or two people say... Uh, Art, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And uh, if you can't see it, then you're not looking. Uh, or you don't want to see it. But look, I have been as critical as anybody can be of various rock formations that I, frankly, have been unable to see uh, that others have shown us. To me, 
there is no question about this. Uh, if you can't see it, then I suggest to you, my friend, you are not looking. Snappy is a remarkable product for anybody who's got a PC. And by the way, we are holding all of our lines open right now for people who have seen the photographs so that we might impart to those who have not yet seen them uh, the, the reaction. And so um, please only call if you have seen the photographs. Now, let me tell you, thousand call right now for that free brochure. one 800 5000 Well, all right, back now to Robert Ghostwolf, who has made what I consider to be the archaeological find of my lifetime right here in North America and of all places in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, Robert, were you surprised to find this where you did? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. I was like, okay. It just goes to show that uh, you never keep learning. Uh, you never stop learning. <laughs> you just keep learning. And, uh, you know, when I, when I find these things and these sites and I, I go there, it's like what happens to me is I start to realize that, like, it's like it's time for petty squabbles and, and separatism and arguments over things, resources, materials. It's, it's like it's time to realize that we are really moving forward into something where the only thing that matters is the soul. So what does it matter, you know? We, we, we're going to find things like this in Tibet. We're going to find things like this in South America. We're going to find things like this in Africa. We are starting to find, and people are starting to come out and present this because of the way the world's shrinking with Internet and Web. And we, You don't have to wait for Charlton Heston to produce a movie. You can just put it up like we're trying to do tonight. Right. And I, I just think, I know that this is going to shock some people. It's going to anger some people. It's going to excite other people. But I just think it's incredible that we're now evidencing what prior to this was just story and myth. All right. Uh, back to the lines. First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi. Where are you, sir? I'm in Houston. Houston. All yes. right. Have you had an opportunity to view these photographs? I certainly have. And? On the website. I think they're... I think they're uh, about time. <laughs> it's about time something like this is is going to be revealed. With, I'm not surprised. With I, regard, I know they're there. With regard to the Sphinx, is there any doubt in your mind what no. you're seeing? No, no, there isn't. And and I'm sure that there is a lot more of these everywhere. In fact, I think I heard some something about an underwater site. I don't know if somebody published something on it. Maybe off, somebody could yes. respond. I, I can tell you off Okinawa. Off Okinawa. That's right. Right. And I think. And there's going to probably, you know, there's, I know that they're around. I've spent a lot of time traveling out in the, in the West and seen some mysteries myself. I'm sure that, that this will stick. That's the key, is will it stick. And I think that, that with the Internet and you having radio at the same time, people won't be able to, to push things away as they used to. Well, Maybe with only, with, yeah, with only radio, you know, if we were to come on the air and do a radio program and we were to describe this to people, Without having the backup of these uh, photographs, right. it would be very easy to dismiss. Right, and it's easy to, to for things to vanish quickly and things to change quickly when you don't have instant worldwide. Now, now people have downloaded pictures everywhere, and and you know there's a way to for for things like this to, to come come out nowadays. And having teams of people working on it and working working through. 
actually, you have a focal point. What I see is one of the most focal points in, in, in possibly history if if everybody worked together in the right way. You see what I'm saying? I agree. Yeah. I agree, and I, and, I, and I thank you for the call. Do you have any you. questions you I, want to I ask? I do have one other thing to throw in because it's just, it, it's, it's kind of strange, but I know it goes along the whole, the whole thing, and, and it's another part of this that, that people haven't been talking about much is that giant bird sightings are recently, I, I, there was even a program on some cable show about a giant bird sighting, and I saw myself in the middle of the city of Houston with other witnesses, a giant bird about 18 feet tall with about 22-foot wings. And then a couple of weeks later, somebody told me about another thing about a giant bird that had actually attacked a dog or something up there in the, in the Colorado somewhere or something. And I wonder if there's any response on that. But I, I looked all over the Internet for different kinds of things. I found a lot of different things about... Uh, in Missouri, a giant bird with people. A lot of a lot of uh, recent anomalies. Yes, uh, Robert, you alluded to that anyway. In this area, that there the return, had... of, the return of the Thunderbirds. This is one of the signs of the seventh thunder. The seventh thunder. Oh, uh, we. I, I really meant to cover the seven thunders tonight, but this information, uh, these photographs, are so astounding that it's hard to get off on anything else. We will, though. Wildcard line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hello. Hi, this is uh, Ian in San Luis Obispo, home of the Shumash Indians. Yes, sir. Hi. Hi. Uh, great show, Art, and good to talk to you, Robert. Good. Talk to you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with the angel Gabriel, also the hair and the wings, and uh, it was it was well worth the wait, Robert. And we were we were waiting for a couple weeks for this. Well, thanks. And uh, is I have a I have a couple of questions for you. Um, one is this in the San Luis Valley area of the Sandra, I'm not going to say. Okay, okay. Please understand. Um, and you, you've got a no caller. If he were to say even roughly where it was, you're right. The world would descend. You and I both know it. <laughs> right. Um, and this this kind of sounds like the movie The Lost Tribe of the Dogman. <laughs> are, are you guys familiar with that? <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, that was places I mean, like that exist. Right, right. Um, also, Robert, are do you find a similarity between Hopi last names and Polynesian last names? I kind of see that similarity. I'm not familiar with Polynesian last names. That I, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Hopi writings and Mayan writings and Korean writings. Mm -hmm. One of the people who went to the sites in Arizona with me, the petroglyphs and the caves that I took them to, where I took these pictures in the caves down there, was uh, the Grand Dao Master, uh, Master Lee from uh, Korea. Oh yeah, and he was uh, fascinated with the similarities. Um, and and the last thing, uh, Robert, um, are you familiar with the sighting in in May of 1996 near the Denebito Rocky Ridge area of the Navajo Hopi Reservation? What what sighting? I'm not familiar with that particular. Um, it 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 actually made a couple of uh, major newspapers. Um, supposedly, two Navajo uh, women on disputed land. Uh, were visited by two beings. The Kachinas. All right. And I, I am, and I believe on a previous show with Art, I, I spoke about that. Okay. And I spoke about how in certain areas around there they were finding uh, corn plants growing where they had been. Right. All right. Growing. Okay. Color. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Um, Robert, you said earlier you alluded to the fact that you were being watched. Do you know who's watching you? 
There are some strange bureaucratic folk that would like to find out how I know what I know mm -hmm. and where my information comes from. And I'll, I'll leave that there. Uh, I'm also being watched by the elders to see if I respect the integrity of the native people. And the information has to get out. The truth has to get out. But locations can't be told. And the exact nature of some of the things that we know are there can't be discussed. And I think that they're watching for integrity right now because I am Mate. And uh, being Mate, I fall into that questionable category of strange folks like Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, and Will Rogers, you know. <laughs> so, All right. East of the Rockies, uh, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf and Art Bell. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm Cynthia from Connecticut. Hi, Cynthia. I enjoy your show, and I'm looking at the photographs, and I was curious to know the photograph that you um, label as graffiti. Do you have any sense of what that writing means, Robert? It's someone's name. It's someone's name? Yeah, in a lot of these sites, you know, they, when they find out where they are, yeah. they come in with their cryon, uh, cryon uh, spray cans, and uh, they write their names, and the kind of graffiti you see on the sides of trains and things. But I mean, are you um, saying this is modern graffiti or ancient graffiti? Well, that particular graffiti was actually written in 1899. Modern, then. So it's modern, but there's other places where, uh, at that particular site, where things are a lot more recent. And um, this is another reason why we just can't let these things be known until there's some measure or some program where the people get together and say, hey, we have to protect this stuff because... Our records are here. You know, the West is an incredible treasure house of, of information with the amount of sites. I mean, I've seen ancient cities that people don't even know about where they inhabited 300, 500 people on the sides of cliffs where they had chambers and pictures of the goddess and, and lunar wheels and sacred geometry. Um, that were done thousands and thousands of years ago. And I personally concur precisely with Zachariah and with Richard Hoagland on the fact that these places are well over 2,000 years old, but most people aren't ready to swallow that. Well, I can understand that. Now, the Archangel Gabriel, is um, was that something that, that appeared almost sculpted, or would you consider that more of a natural formation, or how are you interpreting that? Well, there are formations in the native understanding that are created by spirit. And there are creations, formations that have been created by um, beings from other places. I've seen evidence in a lot of other places where there was obvious laser use in the sculpting of the stone. There's a certain texture to the, the way the laser moves through stone. Uh, I've worked with it a couple of times with contemporary things. I didn't see evidence of that here, but all I can say about what I saw was it wasn't an accident. And then what makes you interpret that as the Archangel Gabriel? It's just a name. It looked like that, and so he just gave it a name. Okay. Uh, people are getting carried Maybe away with that. Maybe it's Fred. Maybe it's Fred, yeah. I mean, when you look at these photographs, what, ma'am, forget the names. What do you conclude you're well, looking at? I do see something that appears very angelic looking. And um, so to be the, in stone is, is even more incredible. Yeah, so I guess that's why he gave it the name he gave it, because it looks like 
what you think it looks like. Yeah, I thought there was some more no. mythological no. No. background to that. No. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's very intriguing. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, and uh, take care. Uh, Wild Card Line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Yeah, this is Francisco and Reno Art. Uh, Robert, this is an amazing uh, photograph I'm looking at. I'm looking at him on Art's page right now. And I was wondering if I could play devil's advocate for a moment. Is it, is it possible that there's another photograph like these anywhere else that can be compared to them? You're asking whether anybody else has taken a photograph of the same? It's entirely possible. There's a lot of people in the world. But you know do, I mean? do we know of any? No. Right. no. Do you, Robert? No. No. All right. Okay. Because um, I'm looking at the art, you know, the Angel Gabriel, and you can see the wings, and you can see, I guess, those are hands in front. And it looks like it, it, pink, it's you know, holding something. It could be a book. It could be a harp. It's because yeah. of the horizontal lines, I'm assuming it's some sort of a book or some sort of a tablet. Oh, okay, because, you know, it is, it is a little blurred, but, you know, it is still very clear. So, you know, it, there's no real detail. What about the Sphinx? Do you see uh, anything other than a Sphinx there? Well, you know, the, it looks like paws or that, that black dark uh, in the front foreground. Yes, but I'm talking about the the main feature, this, the, the face of the Sphinx. Uh -huh. Do you see the, the symmetrical... Um, oh, yeah, you can see the face exactly. Yeah, yeah okay. It looks well, like the face on Mars. It, yeah, thank you very yeah. much. That's okay. exactly what it looks like. Thank you. Um, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Yeah, hi, Robert Nort. Um, hi. I live in uh, southwest Colorado, and I, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions. Obviously, there is something here. I don't know that you know everybody will get to every picture, but um, Robert... Could you give us the exact dates that you were up there? That I'm sure he can do. It was in the um, beginning of March. The beginning of March, so the first weekend of March? Like the first week, 10 days. Yeah. Well, the, there's a couple of things that uh, I, I'm sure that this is there, and, and I'm sure this is uh, not a doctored photo of any kind. I just have a real question since I live here about uh, the elevation, which I think is, is much lower than what you may have th thought. And... Um, during the weekend that uh, you'd mentioned, there was a real uh, pretty good uh, blizzard and snowstorm. I'm, I'm I aware of that. And I just... Uh, he was in that, that storm. Uh, the um, the rocks and everything just don't look like uh, they're covered with enough snow, especially at the altitude that you're thinking it might be at. Well, there should be a lot more... There was a lot of snow. Blown ice color, 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 color. Pause. For, take a deep breath and pause and let, let him answer. Okay. There, there was a lot of snow on certain sides of the mountain, and there was a lot of snow on the way to where I was going. And it took us some major delays to get to where we were going to drive through some areas that had some pretty deep snow. And the strange anomaly about where we went is it was fairly warm. And one morning there was like a 14-inch snowfall, and two days later it was gone. Well, I mean, it, it certainly looks like there's some good snow melt uh, where these were taken. It sort of looks to me like all three of the photos were taken from the same uh, direction. Uh, but maybe that I'm just fooled by the shadows. But it seems to me like it would be much below 14,000. And the other thing about the 14,000 peaks, um, they're pretty heavily traveled, especially, especially in the summertime. Um, when there, you know, would not be any snow on the ground because uh, there's a circuit that a lot of people in Colorado like to climb, 
and claim that they've climbed all of the 14,000-foot peaks, you know, in the state. He's saying, I believe he said it could be as low as 10. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like it's probably a lot lower. And the other thing on the direction, if you're saying like um, some of the um, pictures face the southwest, I don't know of any um, peaks that would face south in Colorado that would face anywhere but New Mexico if, you, if it was uh, facing south. Robert? Well, I, there's no way that I could tell except by looking at a compass reading. Right. And, and, and you're you know, talking it, about something, you know... Connor, Connor you're going to have to hold on if you want to. Uh, we're at the bottom of the hour. You want to hang tight? Sure. All right, hold on. I'm Art Bell. The photographs are there at www.artbell.com. Scroll down to Robert Ghostwolf's name and take a look. We'll be right back. Broadcasting to 20 states and 5 Canadian provinces with 50,000 watts of Twin Cities Radio. You're listening to AM 1500 KSTV, St. Paul, Minneapolis. Through the magic of live radio, I'm Art Bell, live coast to coast on AM 1500 KSTP. Talk with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye from outside the U.S. First, dial your access number to the USA. Then, 800-893-0903. If you're a first-time caller, call Art at 702-727-1222. From east of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. Call Art at 1-800-618-8255. Or call Art on the wildcard line at area code 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye. That would be us. Good morning, everybody. Robert Ghostwolf is my guest. The photographs are absolutely remarkable. You've got to see them. Uh, throughout the weekend, if you were unable to get through this night, then throughout the weekend, uh, get to my website or his and take a look. Mine is www.artbell.com. And you just scroll down to the name Robert Ghostwolf and examine the photographs at your leisure. His, um, his website is awolflodge.com. That's the normal www stuff. And then wolflodge.com. We'll be right back with you and Robert Ghostwolf. Are you making... The night has closed in. Art Bell is here. And so is After Dark. All right, uh, a very good question for you, Robert. Uh, once again, Robert Ghostwolf. Art, why did uh, Robert Ghostwolf make his trek in midwinter rather than wait until later spring or even summer? He would have had presumably better climbing conditions. Well, I'd like to cover two things with this. One, I didn't go on a scientific expedition here with 12 scientists. I couldn't afford that. 
And obviously, I'm not a scientist. And if I were to give exact elevations, I know there's a lot of mountain climbers out there that know exactly what elevation, what peak is at, where it is, so that in its own way would be giving away a map, wouldn't it? Yes. So in other words, with regard to elevation and location, uh, don't depend on what you're hearing. Well, what I am going to say is that I was there. These photographs were taken. They were taken during the first part of March. And when you're traveling 20 miles back into the mountains, you're going up and down and up and down and up and down, and you're climbing up and down and up and down. You don't really know how high you are anymore. <laughs> Regarding to why I went there in midwinter, sure, the window was open. And the, the purpose of going there was a spiritual reason so that people in the native world as well as the other worlds would understand that many of the stories that have been told about these kinds of places were real, that we would understand that we had other beginnings. Mm -hmm. And the window was open and the people were all there. And we went into ceremony and realized that the weather would stand back, which it did, and it did in this area. And all around me was nothing but storms and blizzards. All right. All right. Uh, let me bring this caller back. Caller, you're back on the air again. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you want to continue with what you were, your line of question? Well, sure. I, and uh, I'm really not calling to try and uh, debunk anything. Uh, I think that uh, the comments that Robert just made uh, go a long way to answering the questions that I had. Uh, to me, obviously, because I live here in Colorado, it doesn't seem to be the right altitude, and it doesn't seem to be... Um, you know, have the kind of snow uh, coverage that if you said you took this yesterday, uh, it would be still hard for me to believe because the kind of snow coverage at 14,000 or whatever, uh, you could come back in two months and it would still be more than what's in these photos. You might remember back to the jet crash, you know, up around Eagle that they had such, t uh, you know, a tough time getting the pilot's body out. They sure did. That's the kind of conditions that you're going to face at the altitude that the, he was originally talking about. So, I, I, you know, if it's exactly what you say it is, uh, you know, certainly it maybe has powers to keep the snow melted. <laughs> based, on, uh, based on the photographs as you see them, sir, mm -hmm. uh, can you imagine what would happen if we were to give the actual altitude and location? Can you imagine what would happen? Well, I, I think that um, just because of the questions that I've raised, that's why it's imperative that there needs to be some sort of scientific proof or verification because... Uh, but I mean, I guess, I guess, what I'm saying is, though, just based on what you see, can you imagine what would occur if you were to disclose where this is? Oh, well, I, I tend to give people a little bit more credit. I don't know that there would be as much damage and looting as, as maybe you guys have referred to. I think, I think it could be a great, important find for the world. Well, I certainly agree with that. Um, thank you. And, uh, Robert, you want to address that? Uh, he's saying, no, nah, people would be good. Uh, they wouldn't uh, desecrate the site. They wouldn't... Uh, Chip away the stone or any of the rest of it. I travel a lot of strange planes, and uh, I see a lot of strange things and talk about a lot of things that are even stranger, but I tend to be a total realist when it comes down to human nature. And just like people steal hotel towels and ashtrays, they're going to walk away with a sacred site. I've seen it happen. So yeah, so I've actually saw by Robert. I've seen it again and again and again. And regarding snow... I understand that the other day it snowed in Israel. It did, as a matter of fact. It did. Uh, it, it not only snowed uh, a little, it snowed a lot. It was remarkable. Sign, sign of things to come. 
First time caller line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hello, this is Dave in Cleveland. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Um, my first thought is I'm very glad this is going out over your program, Art. And my question to Mr. Ghost Wolf is, is there any way to get a scientific person or team to this location to verify the exact date of these, of this location so that there would be uh, a less likely occurrence of individuals trying to defame you or the sites here in this area? I think that eventually the hope of uh, myself and some of the people involved is that some people with integrity uh, who we are contacting through our own sources would turn around and do exactly what you're saying. And there definitely is the intent of, of verifying things beyond that, which is why this is only the beginning of the story. I've only had a couple of weeks to put this thing together. Yes. So this is just the, uh, the, the breaking news, as it were. Yes. All right. I'm very relieved that it's coming out of your program, Mark, because otherwise I don't think we'd hear a word. Well, I, you can be pretty sure of that. All right, thank you. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi, Mike in Berkeley, listening to you on KOH. Yes, Mike. Uh, I believe one of your past, uh, or one of the previous callers was mentioning uh, the San Luis Valley um, in southern Colorado, and I'd just like to vouch um, for, for the strange things that do happen in Colorado. Uh, there's a book out by a gentleman named Christopher O'Brien uh, called The Mysterious Valley. And he documents the, the cattle mutilations. Um, supposedly a crystal skull was found there. Uh, there's glowing balls of light uh, very, very frequently. Uh, the, ta the Taos hum can be heard there. And um, so I would, I would just like to say... The Taos yes. hum all the way in Colorado. Yes, sir. The San Luis Valley extends from northern New Mexico in tetrahedral land all the way up into Colorado. Mm -hmm. All right. Appreciate the call. Okay. Thank you, and uh, take care. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hello. Hello, is it me? Yep. Yeah. Only you know that for sure, but it sounds like you. Okay. Yeah, I'm just listening to Real Audio Feed on the Internet, uh, catching your show that way. I see. Are you also able to see the photographs? Yes, I am. I was um, wondering, uh, people were saying that, uh, you know, it uh, could be very easy to find a site like this in the mountains because of the uh, obviousness of the uh, formations in the rock. Uh, well, I've been in Colorado quite a few times myself, and uh, hiking around in the mountains, it's like uh, it's like uh, you can look at a face of rock from one angle and uh, not really see anything except the face of rock. But once you catch it at the right angle, I mean, it's right there as clean as day. And uh, I'm sure that millions of people have hiked through this location and probably thought nothing of it because their angle was just another rock face. Um, my primary question was uh, with the uh, petroglyphic carvings. Oh, wait a minute. Before you, before you go on to the petroglyphs, uh, okay. Robert, you were there. We weren't. The camera angle you have given us, uh, it's really pretty obvious. For example, the archangel, the... Uh, the Sphinx, uh, there's very little photographic doubt about it at all. But you obviously have seen it from different angles. Can you tell us whether the uh, symmetrical aspects of these photographs hold up from different angles as well? Yes, they do. It's, it's not like going to a place like Sedona where you see things that from one angle look like something and then from the other angle don't look like anything. Um, also, you know, when, when, when you do go by these kinds of places, even when you go by where the petroglyphs are, a lot of it has to do with where your mindset is. It's like if you're all agitated and you're all full of anxieties, 
you can walk right by 50 petroglyphs and not see them. Definitely. And, and all of a sudden you get into a certain space and like you turn around and you go, wow, is this the same rock I was just looking at? And they, they, they sort of come out. Well, it is or or one of the terms I like to use is it lights up, you know. It's like you lit it up and sure. you can see it now. There's a certain vibe that it emanates in order to bring it to your attention as well, yep. I would assume. You wanted to ask about the petroglyphs? Yes, I was wondering, with some of the petroglyphic carvings that are in the lower images, um, did you notice what the uh, depths were in the stone carving? Um, were there any significant depths, or were most of them shallow scratches, or um, what was the texture of those petroglyphs? Most of them were shallow scratches. There were some forms of uh, organ writing that were carved much deeper, mm -hmm. but they didn't, for whatever reason, probably because of the camera I was using, I didn't have a zoom lens here or things. We had a zoom lens when we were in the Rockies, but uh, we dropped it and it broke. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but it's they, I couldn't make those come out, and those were really deep. They were like a half an inch deep. The, these were typical petroglyphs that weren't carved or etched that deeply. But, uh, and a lot of them were paint. Ah. Very similar to some of the cave and rock paintings in yes. Wisconsin. And, and, and their colors, um, the, one of the things that was remarkable to me about the petroglyphs was um, some of the colors that you could still see the flakes on the paint. I mean, there were some brilliant tones there. There were some turquoises and pinks and greens mm -hmm. and violets, that blues that I haven't seen before. I can see some of the patterns are very reminiscent of the effigy mound structures along the Mississippi River. Um, done a lot of research on those. There's a lot of turtles and um, looks like uh, some lizard type things. Uh, well, they're really quite remarkable petroglyphs because they verify a lot of prophecies. And these particular petroglyphs, in my interpretation thus far, I haven't had a lot of time. But in my interpretation thus far, everything that I look, when you look at some of these places, especially this place, you have to look at all of them to get the story. There will be uh, a great deal of interpretation, I'm sure, done uh, over the next few days and weeks by the audience. The stories of the flood are incredible there. Sure. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hello. Uh, good evening, Art. Good evening, Robert. Good evening. Uh, a few things real quick, because I know we're getting toward the end of things. All right, where are you from? Yeah. Uh, earlier you had said... Wolf Sir, well, hold it, hold it, hold it. Where, where are you? I'm in Sacramento. And have you seen these photographs? Absolutely. And? They're incredible. They're apt. I mean, I think, I think people are getting hung up on the terms that Robert gave them because he just annoyed them with terms that yeah. he was compelled Names. with. And, and so people are going there and they're looking for a sphinx. And in regard to the people that couldn't make it out or said they couldn't see it, uh, you might want to, or let's advise them to look to the side of the rock where the face is on the side and not directly straight on, Look, trying to make something out of the shadows directly straight on. Right. If you look to the side of the rock, it's absolutely perfectly crystal clear. And uh, the other thing that I really quick wanted to say was, Earlier, Art, you had said uh, wolflodge.com, and it's wolflodge.org. Thank you. And uh, very rare to correct Art Bell. And uh, the other, but the question I had uh, for Robert, and uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really curious, do you, Robert, do you feel that um, because the elders had this knowledge and because you found other aspects to these discoveries about the Stargate, as you talk about on your site, mm -hmm. do you think that there was any kind of 
derailment for mankind because of the genocide of the Native Americans? Yes, I do. Could you? I think that we lost a lot of very valuable information during a time of incredible zealot ignorance. But it's not the first time we've gone through that. So this is not about casting blame. It's about realizing what might have gone wrong. I understand that. I don't mean to suggest blame. I mean, it was a tragedy, of course. But what I guess what the heart of my question is, is did it affect the time factor in us reaching a particular destiny or greater knowledge? Did it slow us down, or did it derail us, or did it take us on to a different path? By it made us. It made it harder for us to put the whole picture together. It's we're now dealing with a lot of fragmented information. Where at once that information was totally intact, um, that information is now totally fragmented. Um, but there are places and there are records that are still intact. Right now, what's being shown, not particularly here at this site, but what people are discovering all over the place. I, I am not the only one who's discovering things. I know. And, and what we're seeing now is an incredible realization of, you know, something that's getting us beyond the stereotype image of a bunch of guys in long cloths riding on horses shooting buffaloes. Mm. Um, like there, there was a part of our history where that's where we were, you know. There was a part of... The European history where everybody wore, you know, 500 pounds of metal and sat on a horse, and if they that's fell true. off, they stayed there for three it's, days. That's true. But now we are moving into a place where we are starting to see the oneness of so many things that go beyond what we have been allowed to see because only a privileged few knew about the information and they kept it secret. Now what we're seeing is like, wait a minute, you know, what I just saw over there in Tibet looks just like this thing that I saw down in Indonesia, which reminds me of what I saw in Africa. Like, and what is it doing on a cave in Spain? Hey, um, all, uh, we're woefully short on time. We might be able to fit a couple more in. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Robert Ghostwolf. Hi. Hi, Art. Yes, where are you? This is Lucy in San Antonio. Hi, Lucy. Hi, I am so excited. You've seen the photographs, I take it. Oh, yeah, and they're very clear to see. Yes, they are. But I believe, it, you know, if you want to see it, if you're open to see it, you know, you'll see it. But uh, you, um, the angel, the archangel, Yes. I believe that the way he named it was just quite appropriate. Because um, I see Gabriel more as a messenger than uh, a gatekeeper. Oh, well, there sure is a message here. Yeah, I believe so. I, th I think the whole thing is a sign and a message, especially since there's a correlation between the Sphinx and Orion. Mm -hmm. Okay, do, do you understand? Um, oh, yes, clearly. Do you understand what uh, the Orion and the constellation and how the Bible talks about the Maserat? You're talking to somebody who's been interviewing Richard Hoagland for years. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, the, you know, there's a whole connection. The Bible says that the heavens declare his glory, and that's what the constellations are. Orion speaks of the coming one, the one of light. So I think what you're seeing here is a message. And when he's talked about the seven thunders, Revelation talks about uh, the seven thunders, and each one is a message. I believe they would be the seven seals. Um, uh, no, uh, these thunders are, are going to be messages 
given by angels. I, I that's how I interpret it. I see. All right. I, well, I, I would. Uh, all right. I appreciate. It. I'd look at the seven seals. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a big parallel if you look at the uh, the seven seals and the seven thunders. But that's another program. And uh, Robert, we're just about uh, flat out of time here. Listen. Uh, Please give out your information one more time. You've been kind enough to put the photographs uh, for free on my website, on your website. Those who don't have computers and can't get to a library, if they want the photographs, you will sell them copies for what it costs we'll you to sell make them copies for what it costs to produce them. And if they buy the books, at uh, they can call 800-905-8367, or they can call 509 465 one six zero six. When they buy the books, um, copies it, from now until Tuesday. After Tuesday, I'm cutting that off. But from now until Tuesday, if they if they buy the books, and you have to understand that, that Last Cry is Volume One and Winds of Change is Volume Two. Right. So to understand Winds of Change, you have to buy Last Cry, or you won't understand some of the things that I'm referring to in there. And if they do that, we will include that with the purchase. All right. Well, listen, my friend, uh, it has been quite a night. I knew it was going to be uh, earlier in the day. Frankly, I'm glad I didn't know about all of this before early today because I could never have kept it to myself. It would have killed me. Uh, so thanks for breaking it on my program. That's all I can say. And I'm sure you're going to be hearing from other media as well. And uh, so I wish you good luck. Um, and, and thank you for bringing your news here, my friend. Thank you, and next time we'll talk about the prophecies connected to all this stuff. We will indeed. Good night. Good night, Art. All right, folks. That's all the time there is. I'm sorry. Um, everybody's lined up, and we could have taken 10 million calls on all of this. Uh, what can I say? Uh, Robert has told his story. His story is backed with photographic evidence. Go take a look yourself. Judge yourself. That's all I can say to people, and that's how I do my programs. Be, be a judge yourself. The uh, web address is www.artbell.com. For now, from the high desert, good night.